Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the PDH Pod, an MTG podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Popper Commander format. I am your host, Brad, a.k.a. Drac V, and let's go around the table with my co-hosts from the East Coast, starting with Dave, the Alcadron Vader. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, next up, we have the PDH PhD Popper Commander. Liam, how's the week treated you? Been pretty all right. I'm mildly drowning in homework, but, you know, as is the way of student life. As the way student life, we're mildly drowning in uh, heat and humidity out here. Is that guy? Is that is that hitting you guys out there? The heat wave? Nope, I've got AC. Oh, uh, not yet. Oh, it's been absolutely brutal out here, like triple digits every day, and it's not going to stop until, I guess, next week sometime. Sounds like it's time to move. Yeah, it feels like it's time to move. Honestly, <laughs> like every year I say that, and every year I, f- <laughs> I feel it worse and worse, and yet I still don't move. Well, just make sure you're drinking water. Yep, definitely stay hydrated. I've always got two or three drinks next to me, whether they're soda or tea or whatever, something cold. Yeah. Cold and hydrating. I hear the northern end of Alaska is nice this time of year. Oh, yeah, we actually looked that up last night. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in Alaska right now. <laughs> like, oh, that would be so nice. No, I don't know. I've lived in Missouri pretty much on and off my whole life. I don't know. If I, if I left, I'd probably end up coming back again like I've done so many times. So who actually knows wherever you end up. I hope yep. it's where you are happy. Yep. And I, th- I'm pretty easy to please. So I think that, I think that's easy to, uh, I think we can make that happen. So, but yeah, I think uh, with all that out of the way, we can get into our main topic. It's kind of a bigger topic, maybe a little bit bigger than last week. We're going to get into commander legends, Baldur gate, Baldur's gate set review. Sorry. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, we're a few days late, but I think it's okay, you know, to give the listeners a chance to kind of hear kind of a typical format of what a set review from us will be like, and uh, we'll just sort of get the get the whole ball rolling there. And especially seeing as how this set was designed for Commander play, I think it was prudent that we did a podcast on it, despite being being a little bit late. So we're going to break this down into two episodes. We talked about it um, behind the scenes a little bit. We're going to spend this first episode, I guess, part one, if you will, talking about the commanders themselves, some new mechanics, some new options we have for the command zone. So mostly this episode is going to be talking about uncommons, the creatures and that sort of thing. And then part two next week when we record, it'll go over all the commons. So the rest of the 99, basically. Alcadron, we do have a new card type, I guess you would call it. Do you want to give everybody a brief explanation of what we're looking at here with these backgrounds? I know that we touched on it a little bit in episode one, but we also have new, some new um, adventure commanders and those sort of play into it. And let's just kind of recap those in and out of the command zone, if you will. I would love to. And I'm glad that you uh, introduced today's episode as the episode where we talk about commanders, which means mostly creatures. Because a lot of the cards we're going to be talking about today are weirdly not creatures commander legends Baldur's for battle battle Baldur's for battlegate yes good nailed it Close uh, yes <laughs> we'll take those uh this new set has introduced a brand new commander mechanic for us and it's it's their new take on the partner ability 
when you're trying to make a commander set, which has very rigid color identity deck building restrictions, and make that work in a draft format where you don't have a lot of control over what's available to you to build your deck out of, you need to give the players a way to pivot from one color to another without making them get an entirely new commander. Uh, in the first Commander Legends set, they did that with Partner, where you can pick two different commanders that both have the Partner ability and use them both in the command zone to get an expanded color identity. The problem with Partner is that every time you print more things with Partner, the, the mechanic gets more and more out of hand and difficult to balance with all of the other cards that already have Partner. So the new take on it is still a mechanic that lets you put two cards into your command zone, but it's different from Partner, and the key difference is one of the cards has to be a legendary creature with the mechanic choose a background, and the other commander is a legendary enchantment with the subtype background. So just like partners, you put these two cards together, they are both your commander, uh, you get both of their color identities to build your deck, and the draft goes smoothly. For us building things in the constructed format, all the same rules still apply. If the uncommon creature you choose to be your commander has the text choose a background, then you get to pick any legendary uncommon enchantment that is a background and have that be your second commander. Great. That is That was way more detailed than I was expecting. That was awesome. Thank you for that explanation. I promised, be, before we started recording this, I promised that I would explain it briefly, and I lied. <laughs> that was definitely pretty brief. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay, I've got the I've got the judges back in here. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. brief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, giving some given some of the explanations I've given. Poof. Right. <laughs> well, that's okay. It, you know, too. Outside of all the rules and the details and the the nuts and bolts of the backgrounds, I love them. I I like them a lot. The common ones, the uncommon ones, all of them, because it's unless I'm just making it up in my head, it's like a flavor win. Because you basically get to pick like a background story for your commander, which is huge in tabletop role-playing games where you create a, you know, you roll up your character, you create your character. The next thing you're doing is you're creating a background story for them. 100%, Brad. I think that the backgrounds are amazing in that flavor win. And I don't know if you or any of the uh, listeners have noticed, but if you take a, a gander at all of the background arts, looking at them, you really can't see the character's fate. Uh, oftentimes looking at them from the back, uh, but if you are looking at them from the front, they are, are very like cloaked or hooded characters. And that kind of pushes the flavor a little bit more of this is the background that you're choosing to give to your legendary creature. So I, I think that's a huge flavor win for them in general. That's amazing. I had not even noticed that. To, to support this idea that this really is like your character in the art with without being able to see his face, like, none of them do anything on their own. Every single one of these backgrounds, their ability gives your commander an ability. Right. Well, not even just your commander. It's, it's specifically commander creatures. Yes. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Because yep. I guess they are your commander sometimes, too, so they can't... Yeah, yeah. Commander creatures you control. Yes. That's an important distinction. You know, a lot of people online sort of ragged on the backgrounds at first, but I, I kind of liked them as soon as, as soon as the gate opened, as soon as we saw them. I, I was kind of in love with them, so... I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I ragged on them a little bit because I, I am personally not a huge fan of the Putnam mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a huge fan of putting two things in the command zone. Even when Companions came out originally, you know, ignoring the whole shebang around them, I was kind of skeptical on a third card effectively in the command zone, being that 101st. Uh, and I know that doesn't affect PDH so much, but just EDH as a whole, since that's where I play Papa Commander. Right. And I was kind of skeptical on that, but like, I think 
of all the the two mana designs they've done so far, uh, it, two mana, two, two card designs, uh, whether it be partner or partner with, or background now, I think backgrounds might be my favorite so far, just because you have one set of cards, which is the legendary creature with two's a background, and one set of cards, which is the background. And very clearly, you can see that like the while the designs are very flavorful and 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 powerful, you can tell that they were careful to make sure there were no uh, obscene two card combos between the two card pools. Like you know, Absolutely. I can look at a couple. I can look at a couple of the backgrounds that are amazing together, but they're both backgrounds. So I can look at a couple of legendary creatures that are amazing together, but they're both creatures. But it doesn't work like that. So I think there was a lot of of even though the set came out very quickly in comparison to the first Commander Legends. I think there was a lot of chaos taken into this aspect, and for that, I can appreciate it. I definitely agree that they're vastly more balanced, more well balanced than anything with partner. Yeah, absolutely. the the whole the the set as a whole just feels kind of like you said. There was more care taken into creating it. You know, it's not as crazy powerful as Commander Legends One and all that all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's um, kind of a perfect se- segue. I think we're going to get into our spoilers which you know aren't really spoilers anymore these cards are out in the wild but we're going to go ahead and get into it this first one's here um since we were talking about backgrounds we'll go ahead and get into the uh we're going to cover all the commanders that have that choose a background ability on them we're going to go in wooberg order here there's only about 20 of them we're just going to start i I think i'll just kick us off right now we got the first one up is abdel adrian gorion's ward for four colorless and a white, you get a 4-4 four, four legendary creature, Human Warrior. When Abdel Adrian Gorion's ward enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you control until Abdel leaves the battlefield. Create a 1-1 white soldier creature token for each permanent exiled this way, and there it is, you choose a background. I am a huge fan of this. It took me a few years to get on the, on the, on the flicker train. I was always kind of, I always kind of hated on it, but it wasn't until I got really hardcore into PDH that I realized flickers and blinks and bounces and all that stuff can be fun. They don't have to be always broken. I've just been trying to jam that strategy as much as possible lately, and this definitely fits right up that alley. You know, it makes tokens, you get to bounce stuff, all that good stuff. What do you think, Dave? I think that this card is a powerhouse. This is probably the strongest new commander we have we're gonna we start strong in this right <laughs> in this uh, set review i have already lost games to this guy in competitive play the the combo lines that he enables are they have so much redundancy all you need is a, a handful of mana rocks and there are literally dozens you can play 20 mana rocks in your deck because he will exile the mana rocks and then when he leaves play he brings them back untapped so a handful of mana rocks, you need one Archaeomancer effect, and uh, he can even enable the exploit Archaeomancer effect because he's making all these soldiers for you to sacrifice as part of a loop. Right. And then one flicker spell, of which in blue and white there are, again, probably about a dozen. Mm-hmm. So like, in, in competitive play, anytime he hits the field, you have to assume that the combo is happening now. <laughs> like, you don't get a second chance to respond to this. Yeah, it's it's super powerful. What do you think, yeah. Liam? With Abdul Adrian, I'd actually like to uh, counterpoint Alcadron's first point that it is the strongest new commander. Uh, the strongest new commander we got is actually Wilson, uh, who will get to <laughs> he, has, he has a very refined play pattern. However, Abdul Adrian is very much uh, a very close second, in my opinion. I will agree that uh, it is definitely a very strong enabler for those flicker effects. 
But I definitely remember a conversation at the start of spoiler season about Abdel and actually O-ring effects. Uh, just double O-ring just goes infinite, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm more looking forward to that play pattern. I, I am in works of still developing a, a partner uh, battle box, kind of like Jumpstart for the original Commander Legends. But when I finish that up, I'm going to work on uh, this set where it's going to have, you know, two the background and the background commanders are having 50 card decks. And Abdel Adrian is the one I'm looking forward to the second most because Wilson. But <laughs> this deck is, is looking to be strong. Uh, just, like, yeah. just like they've said, once this is the kind of commander that once it comes down, you either need to uh, counter it so it doesn't or remove it immediately because it, it sits in the command zone. They, it's, it's a combo piece they always have access to. If they're playing, yeah. they have the rest of the combo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just how it works. Thank you very much for that. I didn't even think about, you know, I was just thinking about doing janky stuff with it. I hadn't even thought about super combos or anything like that. But it doesn't surprise me to hear that it's doing well already. Let's move on to the next one here. We got Ellen Harbreeze, Busybody, for three and a white. We get a 2-4 Legendary Human Peasant with tap. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of tokens you created this turn. Put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And, of course, you get to choose a background. Uh, for me here, this is okay by itself. Without a background, just, just as the commander by itself, I'm not super impressed with it. You know, you want to make a lot of tokens to take advantage of that ability. And I just, I don't know. I'm not very interested in scrying while I'm making tokens, if that makes sense. What do you you think, Dave? I think that she's probably more interesting than she lets on, but that's still not very interesting. Like, commander payoffs that are basically like draw a card, like, they don't really excite me because you have to count on the rest of your deck to be doing the things. And, like, drawing cards is something that you could just be counting on your deck to do while your commander does more interesting things. Right. That said, I think she's got some potential as, like, an aristocrat's commander. Which, if you're looking at the art on this card, like, <laughs> aristocrats is probably not where your mind goes. But, like, I like the... There, there's a... We'll, we'll talk later about an aristocrats-flavored uh, background that you can pair with her. And that, plus, like, a token generation strategy. Like, tokens, blood, clues... I think that might have legs, but I, I haven't built it yet. Okay, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. It is just tokens. It's not creature tokens. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Liam? Do you like the, the Harbreeze busybody? Uh, I actually do like this one, and for the exact reason that uh, Dave just mentioned, is, is it doesn't specifically mention creature tokens, and while that's going to be the easiest method of producing tokens, I am a fan of food and, and treasure and I mean not treasure but food and, and clues and blood uh specifically not treasure uh but I I enjoy the non-creature tokens that we get uh every couple of sets and I think that Ellen is so far one of the contenders for a commander that plays well with them and there's definitely a couple of backgrounds that you could pair with her I think the the one that strikes my mind is the cloakwood hermit that makes like two tapped scrolls on your end step or something mm-hmm. uh so you know it it's a slow engine that gains value over time. I don't think it's doing anything terribly broken, but I think it's doing some fun things. Sure. Okay, let's move on to the next one here. This one probably got more buzz on Twitter than, than any uncommon creature I saw from this set. It is Lulu Loyal Holy Font. Uh, we got a legendary elephant angel. It's a 3 2 four, three and a white with flying, of course. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on each tapped creature you control, and then untap them. And of course, choose a background. 
I'm a pretty big fan of this card. I think I was a little higher on it before I fully understood how the text box worked, before I, I guess, before I read the actual card. Uh, but no, I'm still a pretty big fan of it. It's super cute. The art's amazing. Uh, it, it goes into that, that Flickr plan, that Aristocrats plan, that sort of thing. You know, if you're already going wide, which this kind of wants you to do, it wants you to be aggro, it wants you to go wide, um, or at least it wants your teeth you know your creatures to tap for some reason anyway buff them up untap them so you can defend yourself it's kind of got a lot of stuff going for it that overlaps itself not overlaps what's the word i'm looking for like it reading the text box kind of got jumbled in my head at first yeah yep uh liam what do you think about the elephant um i i definitely remember it getting a lot of attention for being an elephant angel specifically it's it's in my mind just kind of another abdel uh with taking advantage of the flicker effects, probably not as broken. I mean, it, it definitely not as broken, but kind of a, a more mild version of that effect. And I think the ability to just kind of give all of your creatures pseudo uh, vigilance is kind of neat because it, it untaps them on your end step, but that, that intervening if definitely... Yeah, that's what messed me hurts, up. <laughs> ...hurts the effect and confuses people often. Yep. But I think it's also important because you're giving all your creatures a plus one buff permanently and untapping them like that intervening if you can't you can't flicker something on your end step in response. It has to be done before the end of main phase two. Right. So what, what yeah. about you, Dave? What about you and the elephant? Uh I don't have much to add that you guys haven't already said. I think it's got a lot more breadth than I originally gave it credit for. because uh, there's like like you said, it it's got its fingers in a lot of different pies. It likes to do the flicker thing or the aristocrats thing so that you can satisfy this if clause and get the trigger. Right. It likes to do the go wide thing so you can untap your creatures and get these counters. Uh, it kind of likes to do the Ellen Harbury's like, generic tokens thing. Like You can just sacrifice treasures to satisfy this if clause. Uh, so like the, the number of different archetypes that this card supports and the number of different directions you can take it is very interesting to me. I haven't actually taken it in any of those directions yet, though, so I'm not sure how those actually play. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm pretty excited to brew with it, though, to see what it's all about. And if nothing else, it'll look cute sitting on my shelf. For sure. Yeah, and so, Dave, what do you think? Do you want to kind of run us through what the initiative is before we get any further with these creatures? Because I'm sure this isn't the only one that's going to have that on there. I would love to. Uh the initiative is a new mechanic that they're introducing in the set that functions a lot like the monarch. Uh, there will be some card or trigger that says you gain the initiative. As long as you have the initiative, it gives you certain benefits. We'll, we'll get into what the benefits actually are later. But the way that the initiative passes around is just like the monarch. Once it's been introduced to the game, you have it until you are successfully attacked or someone else takes the initiative. And when you take combat damage, whoever attacked you they become they get the initiative they sort of become the monarch in that case which sort of leads me to believe that rasad is a bit of a trap okay he's got this trigger that says when he attacks if you have the initiative double the toughness of all of your creatures which is going to trigger i think a lot less frequently than people are assuming you once the initiative has been introduced into the game you mostly get it back just by attacking someone through combat damage. Yep. Through combat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, through through damage that happens at the end of the combat step. So like it's, I think it's rarely going to trigger at the beginning of combat like he wants you to. Um, you'd have to 
defend it very thoroughly. You may end up going through multiple combat phases before his second ability ever kicks in, and you and you get the big butts. Right. That said, him giving him letting you deal damage with your normal size butts is still a really good effect. It's yeah. really cool to have this on white and it and a second color of your choice. Yep. Previously, we've been very limited in terms of what we can have access to with that effect. So I think it's going to be interesting. I just don't think that the initiative clause is going to matter uh, too much. Right. What do you think, Liam? Do you like the big butt monk? Um, I just don't like it for that first line because this is effectively PDH Akiti. I don't know if everyone's you know ignored that initiative line yet. If they're just looking at that big butt clause, definitely gives cards like Wall of Omens a home in PDH finally. And now I've been looking for a deck to stuff that into. You know, in addition, you were you were mentioning uh, white and and holding that initiative. Currently in Papa, there are only two white cards, and really only one of them is white. Uh, that that give you that initiative. You've got uh, Goliath's Paladin, uh, five mana three six, which would be perfect for this deck, and Trailblazer's Torch. Uh, both enter the battlefield, giving you the initiative. So I think if you were banking on having that second line every combat, not having to defend it, you're definitely going to have to play some kind of blinking or flickering strategy with with either of those cards. Right. To to get that. Um, if you go outside of white. Each color has one, maybe two. If you if you really want to get the best out of this, you're going to want to pair this with a black background that gives you access to four total cards that each enter the battlefield, giving you the initiative. Three of them are creatures. Two of them have uh, larger toughness than power. So this deck doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, terribly great for that second line of text. Like like uh, Dave was saying, you definitely have to defend the initiative to to really take advantage of that. But I think that first line of text is fantastic, and I'm looking forward to building that. Yeah, 100%. Well, that pretty much wraps up the white legendary creatures we have. I think, Dave, you're on deck to start with the blues. You want to get us going? I would love to. The first blue choose a background commander is Alora, Merry Thief. For three mana, we get a 3-2 halfling rogue. Whenever you attack, up to one target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn. Return that creature to its owner's hand at the beginning of the end step. This has me thinking some kind of ETB strategy unblockable something what do you think liam whenever you attack make something unblockable i think that's the strong line of text returning that creature to your hand is going to hurt so i think this deck is going to want some cheap creatures to play for maybe a couple of the zero drop creatures so they can uh, re-enter the board later but then you know the zero drop creatures don't have a lot of power so how are you going to deal with that you're probably looking at some kind of mono blue equipment style of deck here if not you're probably looking at some kind of blue deck that takes advantage of creatures with other abilities such as adventure creatures returning them to your hand gives you access to replay their adventure so i think that's a, a, another route this deck could go but other than that it it looks like it go either of those two ways uh whichever is going to be brewer's preference but it looks all right I did not think about the adventure plan there. That's very clever. I like that. What do you think? It's probably not a great strategy in PDH, but all I can think of, you know, it says can't be blocked and return that creature to your hand, to owner's hand, basically. Like, I just want to be doing ninja things, right? Like, (laughs) it says when you attack, not when Alora Mary Thief attacks. Just when you attack with a creature, that creature cannot be blocked. You're going to ninja something in hit him for damage, draw a card, bring that ninja back to your hand, and do it again. Oh, and you can can pair that with those cheap creatures because the issue there is Whatever you ninjutsu back the hand, you end up with with two cards back in hand because of Laura, right? It, it's returning the ninja. Uh, yeah. But if you play no. creatures like uh, like Yuriko does, 
Uh, you can play the zero drops, and oh my gosh, Brad, what have you done? Alora's not going to bounce the ninja. If you if you make oh that's right. grizzly bear unblockable, and then you bounce the grizzly bear to become a ninja, the ninja stays in play. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Alora Alora then makes the ninja unblockable next turn, and then it puts the ninja back in your hand. So it's it's like a two turn cycle of ninjaing and cool Alora, things. Look at you correcting the judge. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about ninjutsu. That oh my goodness. But yeah, it's me neither. It's not where my mind now I am. I've never bothered to even try to theorize a PDH ninja deck, so I'm not sure if we have what it takes. But I do like that as a rogue, so it's got the incidental party membership. <laughs> That's good. All right, I'm going to move on to the next one. Blue choose a background commander we have is Imowin, Mystic Trickster. This is a three mana, two three human rogue wizard. She has two abilities uh, besides choose a background. One of them is Ward Two. And the other is, at the beginning of your end step, if you have the initiative, draw a card. Draw another card if you've completed a dungeon. So maybe now it's time to talk about exactly what the initiative does. Liam, you want to start us off with that one? Uh, Yeah, so the initiative is a mechanic sort of like Monarch. It's the the most common comparison I've seen. Uh, What the initiative is, is... it, it's it's a, a status. Whenever one or more creatures a player controls deals combat damage to you, the holder of the initiative, uh, that player takes initiative, very much like Monarch. Uh, but what the initiative does differently is whenever you take it, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you venture into the Undercity. And the Undercity is our fourth ever dungeon card. It is the only one uh, for this uh, set. And it has uh, a bunch of various effects you know it has scrying and losing life and goading and making tokens and counters and stuff but more importantly the under the undercity can only be accessed through taking the initiative um i do want to go ahead and do a quick rules mention here uh if you have the initiative so let's say it's the first time it's being introduced in the game for for e-state you take the initiative you venture into the undercity for the first time if you were to while you have the initiative take it again you do proceed through the Undercity. I had people like, well, if you're the Monarch and you take it, you become the Monarch again, nothing special happens. Correct. But because there is that additional venture into the Undercity tied to taking the initiative, mm-hmm. even if you already have it, if you, if you have a card that enters and says you take it, you venture. But I think pairing that mechanic with this command in particular uh, seems very strong. Uh, because what it basically does is it turns the initiative into the monarchy for you. Because if you have it at the beginning of your end step, it, you draw you draw that card. And I think that's very strong because the initiative triggers on the upkeep instead of the end step in general. It's ideal to be defending it so that you get that additional bonus. But I think it's also you get that card draw at the end of your turn. So it's, it's kind of cascading a bunch of effects for you. And then if you keep it enough or you take the initiative enough... You complete that Undercity dungeon, you draw two cards on your end step. So I think this commando is really looking to uh, keep itself on the board, which is why it has that Ward 2 ability. But I think it's also looking to really take advantage of the initiative mechanic and keep it, basically. Brad, thoughts? Yeah, well, not, not, a, not a ton of thoughts. Um, I don't normally play dungeon decks. I haven't bothered with them yet, necessarily. Uh, but I feel like I'm going to have to play this deck and make it good and win with it because when I played the video game Baldur's Gate, like the all-time mm. classic, Immowin died like every single day. <laughs> I always had to find a way to bring her back to life. So I feel like, like you know, this is like retribution time. I, I need to make it. With <laughs> yeah. I. She's a rogue wizard. Yeah. Double yeah. So is she 
two party members, or is that not the case? Uh, yes, yeah, just one. So she, she, ah, it's been so long since I've had to deal with party. Why do you ask questions like this, Brad? Each, each creature can only be one member of a party. It, that's it can be either thought, the yeah. rogue or the wizard, but not both at once. Yeah, because you can't just have like one changeling fill it out. Cool. But yeah, I like her. Uh, creature, I don't know. I'm not good at, at brewing like grindy decks like I feel like Monarch and Initiative are, especially if you include in other dungeons on top of that. So I'll probably give it a shot, but I don't know if I'll ever pilot a deck with her at the helm very well. Totally fair. I looked at this card and I really, really wanted it to be good because I too have very fond memories of playing Baldur's Gate 2 and I loved Imoen's character in that game. I don't think this really has legs. I don't either. I've, I've tried to build the deck a couple times. There are so few commons that'll let you go into the, that'll let you take the initiative. And I mean, even if you expand that out to anything that sends you through any dungeon, you're still looking at like maybe 10 cards total between two colors. Yeah. Which is super unfortunate because the, the best dungeon background you can pair her with is also blue. So if you want to do the really good dungeon deck, you have exactly five blue cards in mono blue that will help you get there. And it just feels like it's not enough. I guess that's something I didn't really think about is the fact that literally 99% of your deck has to be involved with sending you through dungeons if we just don't have that at common. Yep. Yeah. It's it's something that uh, unfortunately doesn't exist. But uh, Dave, you mentioned something else about venturing through a dungeon. That's another uh, rules question that uh, people have had. Uh, you yes. you can only be in one dungeon at a time. I think that's something that people people understand. The the two mechanics, taking the initiative and just venture into a dungeon, have a have a weird interaction. If if you are not actively in a dungeon, venture into the dungeon will only take you into one of the original three at at, at this point in time. Initiative will always and only take you into the undercity assuming you're not already in a dungeon. If you are already in a dungeon, they kind of swap that. Um, make, I don't know how to phrase this, that, that utility of whenever you venture into a dungeon, if you are in the Undercity, you will continue your venture because they, they don't, they want this to, th this mechanic took a, a really sharp turn. They want it to be backward compatible, but they don't want it to be fully backward compatible so we don't end up with the issue like Putna. It, it adds a, a level of complicatedness. So, so with this particular commander, you would want a healthy balance of taking the initiative cards so that you get into the Undercity. But then once you're, once you're in the Undercity, just normal venturing will get you to where you want to be. But I think, like you and Brad have already said, we just don't have the density yet to, to really be doing that. Someday, I think she'll be great. When we oh, yeah. have more dungeon cards. But right now, she's not there. These two D&D sets we've had so far have been pretty successful. I think I think we'll have a third one for sure in the near future. I expect so. The next blue commander we're talking about is Renari, Merchant of Marvels. Renari is a 4-mana 2-4 dragon artificer with choose a background. And the text, you may cast dragon spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. Brad, what do you think about giving dragons and artifacts flash? Short answer is I love it. I love that idea a lot. <laughs> uh, this is the first Good. dragon we've seen so far. It's pretty cool. I think it's, at least for me, I, I've never played a lot of dragons in MTG. So I think seeing a blue one sort of threw me off at first. Uh, it sort of got, you know, not, not necessarily in a bad way. Just kind of got my mind reeling about, oh, now I can brew with, you know, blue dragons and pick the secondary color of anything I want, you know, and I don't know that this is going to be a standalone by itself strong commander, but I think if you paired it with the right color combination background, 
you could have something pretty special. I do like the idea of casting anything with Flash. That always seems fun, especially artifacts, because we have so many cheap ones, uh, so many affinity for artifact spells and creatures, that sort of thing. So um, I just imagine dropping, you know, emptying out your hand on your opponent's instep and, and going to town that way. But we'll have to see. I'm not super good at brewing up flash decks. I don't know if we have a lot of, I don't know. We, we don't have a lot of flash cards at common because I've looked before. Uh, but maybe this will sort of push that over the edge because it's actually on the commander. So um, mm -hmm. that's what I think. Good. Liam? Yeah, so if you're looking to play artifacts at flash speed, I would rather just go with uh, Rath Capuchin from Dominaria because he gives historic spells flash, so you also get those common sagas from the Undynasty. Ooh. Um, uh, yeah. But the dragon putt is interesting. Uh, prior to this set, we had one, quote, uh, blue common, unquote, dragon <laughs> for us to use, and that was actually technically a colorless dragon, so, you know, I don't think it really counts. After this set, we now have six blue dragons and one additional colorless dragon, so for a total of eight. Uh, like Brad was saying, you're going to want to pair this with a non-blue background. Uh, there is a red and a green background, not a red and green, a red or green background I would pair this with. The green one uh, cheapens your first dragon spell each turn, and the red one uh, starts pumping out uh, tokens, uh, dragon tokens, once you deal like four or five damage. So or something it, it's an end step trigger i think you would pair this with the red one because the red one we already had like eight or nine common uh red dragons and with this set i think we got like 15 16 more because dragons are just naturally red so being a mono blue dragon is weird but it's about as weird as seeing a banned demon in capenna so <laughs> true I think I think R and D's getting a little a, a little uh, uh, more comfortable with doing the weird things, mm -hmm. but it's also Dungeons and Dragons, and it's a dragonborn, so you got to give it a little bit of uh, a wiggle room. I I actually kind of like this guy with the green background more because the the green background makes all your dragons cost two less. Well, uh, it, it doesn't. It says the first the dragon, first dragon yep. spell, <laughs> but being able to cast a dragon spell on your turn and then each opponent's turn. Oh, like, yeah, for two less every, oh, every turn. Because it, it's each that's turn. Some, yeah. yeah, that's got some, uh, got, got some legs to it. I, I think this guy has potential. I think flashing in surprise dragons is going to be really silly. With this guy, with those two commanders online, you sort of just sit there and like you just watch everyone like not ever attack you because all your mana's up and you're just going to flash in a monster dragon for super cheap. Like Exactly. <laughs> that, seems, that seems entertaining to me. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if it's good, but it's it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, like here's a big fat dragon, deal with it. Yeah, right. Like, well, the the spicy thing to do with this is, uh, you know, hold hold up all your mana for like interaction, but that interaction is just dropping big beefy blockers. Um, <laughs> exactly. But but then also like you know you have your counter magic up if you need it, but you know you get around to that opponent's end step, just flash in three or four dragons and they have haste. Like what is this? Yep. You know that they don't have haste; they have pseudo haste. But you know what? Like what is this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I think he can be real threatening. I I think yeah. I mean I I think if it if it goes unchecked enough, it can be threatening. But other than that, I think it's just kind of goofy, randomly strong deck. Yeah, I'm I'm super into goofy, randomly strong. As a pretty swift departure from goofy and randomly strong, let's talk about a pretty effortless infinite combo enabler. All right. We have Vol Candlekeep Researcher as a 4-mana 2-3 human wizard with vigilance. She has the ability to tap to add an amount of colorless mana equal to her toughness. This mana can't be spent to cast spells from your hand. Well, it's colorless, so you need a 
mana filter anyways. This is true. Uh, the first time I read this card, I was thinking, oh, okay, you can spend that mana to cast Adventures or whatever from Exile or like yeah. flashback cards from your graveyard. But then I like people started talking about it on the Discord, and I realized you can just filter all of that mana through like a Prismite or a Stonework Pack Beast mm-hmm. and just have whatever mana you want to cast whatever spells you want from oh, your yeah. hand. So, I mean... Or activate abilities that untap her and do it again. Yeah, so freed from the real common combo piece that, you know, we're all familiar with, and I imagine many of our listeners are. Put that on her. She makes, by default, three mana. So you pump two of that into a Prismite effect, get that blue to untap her. You still have one colorless floating. You now have infinite colorless. You still have Prismite. You now have infinite whatever color you want. Effort. Mm-hmm. Right, and then That's the like, mana that's coming out of Prismite isn't coming from her, so you can spend it on whatever you want. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> that's silly. Brad sees it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yep, light bulb just went on. You can also combo her with Singing Bell Strike if you're feeling yep. ambitious and you want to give her a lot of toughness. Yep. Yeah, she she enables some really wacky stuff. Like, There's a part of me that wants to try and build her as like uh, like an Invoker's deck. Like that, that whole cycle of cards that are like that have eight mana activated abilities. Yeah, yeah. all all three, three of those invokers, Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, I think I think the combo potential is gonna kind of ruin her for me because like every time, anytime I sit down with a Vol deck, I'm gonna be like, oh, this is a combo. It's a threat. Every time I see Vol, I need to kill it. Well, and like having to explain to people like, my deck is a silly casual thing. Don't kill Vol. She'll do silly nonsense. Like I don't like having that conversation with people. Right. Well, the so. good news is there is no background that really cares about uh, a toughness, but b like having an infinite mana sink. There is no background that really cares about uh, having things tap or untap. So I think that that's good. Um, the only one that would even remotely concern me would be a red one that has a, a mana gated sacrifice ability, but that even requires a board state to do anything with. So. I think that I can completely understand her ability turning you off of it as a commander because of that just ridiculous mana generation. But there's no clear background to put with her either. I think the clear background to put with her is the the black one that makes your attacking creatures get a plus one plus one counter and become indestructible until end of turn. Because she has vigilance. And that's just gonna ratchet up her toughness. Right. Mm. And still let you use her ability. I can see it, but as we just went through the the, the deck doesn't need her toughness to be ratcheted up, so I, I can I can definitely see it to to kind of start enabling the combo, but once she once the deck gets going, I don't I don't see any background that particularly breaks her. That's fair. Yeah. So our first black commander is Stefana uh, Calimport Cutthroat. She is a three two with menace for two and a black. She is also a human rogue. They have the ability at the beginning of your end step if you have the initiative, create a treasure token. Create three of those tokens instead if you've completed a dungeon and choose a background. Uh, my initial thought on this is she's very similar to Emoen, uh, allowing you to do something on your end step if you have initiative. And I think that that treasure creation is very strong. What are your thoughts on that, Brad? I think you're right. I think this is very much just like Emoen in that it cares about your dungeons and it cares about your initiative. Um, it creates, it, it has the potential, instead of drawing cards, it has the potential to make a lot of treasures. So I think, you know, just like Emoen, it's really going to depend on what color you pair Safana with, what what background you choose for them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you, Dave? I honestly like her a lot more than Emoen, just because she's not blue. And if you pair her with a dungeon <laughs> background, then you get two colors worth of dungeons. 
Okay. And like they're kind of the two really good colors for dungeons. So like yeah, I'll I'll probably experiment with her. Yeah, if I wanted to play a PDH dungeon deck, I would definitely go with black over before blue. I think. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, Starvok Deathbringer, a three-four for three and a black human knight. They have at the beginning of each player's end step, if no permanents left the battlefield this turn, that player loses X life or X's Starvok's power, and choose a background. I think this one's actually fairly interesting. That uh, intervening if kind of gives opponents a chance to interact with this, especially because it, it triggers on on their end step to cause them to lose life. So holding maybe a removal spell up to see what opponents are going to do before their end step. Other than that, I don't I don't know. What do y'all think? I'm really enthusiastic about Saravak. I think he's going to make for really weird political situations where like some people are going to attack into big blockers, hoping that their creature gets blocked and killed so that they don't like. If you put a great axe on him, that's seven damage. <laughs> like right, people yeah. are gonna try to like yeet their creatures into bigger blockers to not take seven. And I think some people are just gonna not block and like take damage so that other people take seven. I think it's just gonna be a really interesting political like mishmash. I'm I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. And you, Brett? Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that at all. It's very political. Like you're not only gonna have to think about what you're doing on your turn but you're gonna have to think about what you are or what you're not doing on every single person's turn like you know have, have i lost something from the battlefield do, do i you know do i block what, what do i do here like can i take three damage or can i take seven or whatever um, well yeah, this sure. will only affect you on your turn right 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 yeah, yeah, yeah but but i it definitely it definitely has politics like you know that person swings a, a one one at you like do you take one to save them from seven or do you just let them you know, oh, sorry. Do you take one and let them take seven, or do you take out their blocker and save them? Uh, it could also just be, you know, if a player is going ham with treasures, just keeping a treasure up so they're not using them all. You know, stuff like that. You know, and I think being in black, you're pretty much gonna be safe if you're the one running Saravac because you can just. Oh yeah, you you will if you were getting hit if you were getting hit by Saravac's ability, you were definitely doing it wrong. Yeah, you're playing the color entirely wrong. Yeah. Uh, if no one else has any more thoughts on Starbuck, we can go ahead and move on to Sivris, Nightmare Speaker, a 3-3 for three and a black, legendary snake cleric warlock. They have tap, sacrifice another creature or an artifact. For each opponent, you mill a card, then return that card from the graveyard to your hand unless that pay- player pays three life, and then choose a backup. The two most notable things I want to mention here are it cannot sacrifice itself, and that when you mill that card and returning it to your hand unless they pay three life is very serious uh, for Papa Commando. So I think there's a lot of value to be gained here. What do you think, Brad? I, I like it. It's in Tortured Existence colors. It's in Golgari colors. It, it cares about the graveyard and milling and, and doing shenanigans like that. But I, I feel like it's one step below where, where I would want it to be to be really excited about it. If it maybe milled you too or you got to pick a different card from your graveyard. I, you know, I don't know. Anything I think that I would want extra, you know, extra cherry on top would just be a little too strong. That said, I'm definitely going to play with it. I would love to pair it with, obviously, with the background. I don't, I don't actually know which background off the top of my head, but I think it could be fun. We definitely have plenty of options in the 99 at Common to mess with your graveyard, play with your graveyard, do crazy stuff. So it should be interesting. I would just, I'm more interested in stuff that dumps a whole fistful of cards into the graveyard at once, typically. Yeah, makes sense. And you, Dave? 
I'm really enthusiastic about Civis. I've been referring to this guy as Garfield the Deals Warlock because the ability is so political that I'm, I'm just going to have an enormous amount of fun with it. Like, first of all, I've already built the deck for, for him. I've, it's filled with things with, like, Unearth and Encore and Flashback. So, like, even if people decide to try and get cheeky and deny me these cards, I can still utilize them from the graveyard. And Unearth is especially powerful with that because I can just sacrifice that to, to activate him. Yeah. I think more than that, it's going to involve a lot of really interesting decisions. Like, when you when you mill a murder over for player A, and they have a good creature, and they're going to say, oh, I don't want you to have that, and you say, oh, no, I'll, I'll cast it on player B's creature. Like, let me have this. Like, it's going to get messy. <laughs> it's going to get beautiful. I think I think this guy mostly just reads tap, sacrifice a creature, draw three cards. Yeah. And I cannot get over how cool that is. Like I'm super into this guy. I hadn't I hadn't yet dove into the political aspect of it. So yeah, you're right there. You could definitely end up with three cards every turn, you know, if it if it worked out in your favor. Six if you want to happen. That yeah. is very brutus of you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And moving on, we've got our last mono black commander, Vaconia Drow Apostate. So two and a black, a two, three. They are an elf cleric. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more creature cards in your graveyard, return a creature card at random from your graveyard to your hand. I think this is a lot of potential for just shenanigans of resurrecting randomly big things. But I want to know what you think, Dave. Uh, I really like this character. Again, she's from Baldur's Gate 2. I played a lot with that. I enjoyed her as a character in the game. I don't think her ability is very powerful. I think the randomness is going to get a little messy. I think she's very interesting. I'm probably not going to build with her. All right. And you, Brad? Um, I actually, I think I'm a little higher on this one than I was the Snake Cleric Warlock, mainly because of exactly what Dave just mentioned. The randomness is going to be chaotic, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I want to fill my whole graveyard with creatures and just pull them out at random and see what I get and go crazy with it. Like, that's really the only reason I like it, other than I love Drow. Drow Elves are amazing. Uh, the Dark Elves, they're great. But yeah, I don't know that I'll be playing this particular card a whole lot, but I definitely will try to brew something with it, and um, we'll just see where it goes. But I, I do like it. It's fun. I'm loving the the back and forth here. you got two uh, reanimated graveyard players who are just like, yeah, I like this one. I don't like this one. Flip up yeah. to the other one. I'm, I'm over here just a, a spells player, so I, you know, my opinion <laughs> on these are like, it doesn't let me cast instants and sorceries, so why even bother? <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got for the Mono Black Legends. Brad, you want to take it away with the red one? I do. We are back to me. We're going to start with the red here, and it's a whole group of, of angry-looking critters. Uh, first up, we got Amber Gristle Omal, the legendary dwarf cleric for three and a red. It's a 3-3 three, three with haste. I already like that, a 3-3 three, three with haste. Whenever Amber Gristle Omal attacks, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each player being attacked. And then you choose a background. I like it. It's got haste. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It's got everything that I want to do in an aggressive deck. But I think it's, you know, you're just going to have to see if you can pair it with... I wish it had Myriad. <laughs> That'd be nice. But, but not too strong. You're going to want to go as wide as you can so you can attack as many people, you know, as many opponents as you can per turn. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure where to evaluate this one yet. I'd almost have to try it with three or four different backgrounds to kind of see what I like and what I don't like. But on its on its front end, nothing like super stands out to me other than discarding your hand always seems to be high risk, high reward scenario. So 
but I, I like playing those sort of strategies. What do you think, Dave? I think that she's pretty fascinating. I think that you want to build a deck around her that's really low to the ground so that you can be emptying your hand anyway and discarding very little. Mm -hmm. And if you empty if if you empty your hand with low to the ground creatures so that you can put the pressure on everyone all at once, then she's basically just gives you three cards a turn. Right. If you're which is discarding one card to draw three. <laughs> yeah. Worth and if if the one card you discard is madness, then like <laughs> there you go. She's just raw gas. She's raw gas if you build the entire deck around her. Yes, absolutely. Like, you, you have no room for, like, good value plays. You have no room to run any kind of control pieces at all. It has to be, like, raw aggression, top to bottom. Right, like, this is Amber's deck, period. Exactly. What do you think, Liam? Uh, I'm kind of in the middle on this. Dave actually just brought me up from, like, being super low on it. Uh, I, I, kind, I, can, I can agree with that this deck has to be very aggro all the time. No room for your uh, Red Elemental Blast or Pyroblast or Active Volcanoes. You, you absolutely must be 100% dedicated to pumping out small bodies and running with them. Um, I think the graveyard mechanics, again, here have a, have a commander that works with them. So, you know, whether you're looking at Madness or Flashback with, you know, your Faithless Looting, or even the Encore mechanics from the last Commander Legends, that would be great here. Uh, so you don't mind dumping your hand because you're getting value out of the cards later. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm agreeing with you, this, this commando is very much, this is Ambo's deck, and this is how it runs, and there's no other commander that does it like this, but... If you're doing it, you got to be committed. Yeah, 100%. Oddsmaker does it a little bit like this, just not as hard. Yeah. Yeah, Amber goes pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I'd see someone that just went harder on aggro than, than Oddsmaker, but here we are. But here we are. 2022 magic. <laughs> yep. All right, next up we have a red dragon. We got Ganax Astral Hunter. For four and a red is a three, four flying dragon. And whenever Ganax Astral Hunter or another dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you create a treasure token and you choose a background. Pretty straightforward. I don't think you want to play this by itself at all. I think a single treasure token on ETB isn't worth running this as your commander unless you compare it with a background that really, really powers it up to the next level. What do you think, Dave? I think there is a background. I think that you're completely correct, but I think there is a background that powers this up to the next level. Okay. And it's the blue one that makes a bunch of dragon tokens. Bingo. There you go. Yeah. I think if you want to build the, the blue-red hyper dragon deck, I think you've got an out here. I love it. 100%. What about you, Liam? You down for Is It Dragons? So if I was doing Is It Dragons, I would actually go back to the blue dragon that's giving all your dragons flash. The background I would actually pair with this is the uh, white one for Traveler, where at the beginning of your end step, you get to uh, flicker a creature. So you would naturally flicker a dragon and, and therefore make a treasure token. I think this kind of fixes one of the issues that Oros aggro tends to have, which is 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 mana, especially for a, a mana-hungry tribe like dragons. And plus giving something pseudo-vigilance because it, it returns it untapped seems kind of cool. Other than that, I'm not really like super high on this commander in particular. Uh, just making a treasure token when a thing enters seems pretty boring to me. Yep, 100%. I'm right there with you. Uh, the background will make this commander what it is. It'll make the deck what it is for sure. Yeah. Next up, we have another one that's sort of uh, caught fire on Twitter for a while. I've seen a lot of people excited about this one. It's Gut True Soul Zealot. Or Zealot. For two and a red, you get a 2-2 two, two Goblin Shaman. And it says, whenever you attack, you may sacrifice another creature or an artifact. If you do, create a 4-1 Black Skeleton Creature with creature token with menace that's tapped and attacking. 4-1 is huge. Oh, and you get to choose a background. 
Uh, this just seems like a whole lot of fun. Black, red, aristocrats, any sort of aristocrat strategy. Like, I literally want to try this this gut, the, this goblin, in as many possible decks and archetypes as I can. What do you think, Dave? I think this guy's really cool. I think that sacrificing things is very accessible. I think that making a 4-1 is a huge benefit. I was just looking at this afternoon, someone posted a Boros list with a background that makes a lot of 1-1 tapped attacking creatures just as fodder. Mm -hmm. And then Boros is great for this because you get a lot of different ways to protect all of your creatures. Like sort of the drawback of gut is that you have to be attacking to get this trigger. Right. Um, and then, you know, you don't want your stuff to die. So uh, white offers you a lot of ways to protect your one butts in a way that just lets you keep the pressure on endlessly. So I think I think he's got legs. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Liam? I'm still trying to figure this one out. I don't understand sacrifice decks. <laughs> They're usually artfully uh, artfully designed. Like, the only one that I, uh, like, truly understand in terms of Sacrifice Commanders is Shirei, because it just makes sense in my brain mm -hmm. to just, like, blow up your whole board and then just have it come back so, effortless so effortlessly. Right. Just in general, I, I have this problem with control decks, too, of, like, just in general, knowing when to sacrifice things or knowing when to pop off that counter spell. Yeah. I just I, I can't I just I'm very I'm very much a, a spelled value kind of person of like I'm going to play this spell and I'm going to play it again in two tons and you just have to suffer you just have to deal with it <laughs> it's it's kind of my play style and you know I I just I don't understand this I like I see all these posts and I'm like yeah that that makes sense why it would be good but like I I just could not pilot something like that right no aristocrats is something that I've been playing pretty much as long as it's been an archetype, it's one of my favorites. So I'm not great at it. Like it's like like you were saying, I tend to sacrifice too early or not enough or sideways, yeah. upside down or whatever. But <laughs> I think this one would be a blast. Next up, we have the last red legendary cre uncommon creature is Levan, Cultist of Tiamat. For two and a red, you get a 1-3 Dragon Shaman. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, target creature gets plus X plus O until the end of turn, where X is that spell's mana value, and you choose a background. Pretty straightforward. Spells matter. Let's pump them. Let's get them in. That sort of thing. Probably maybe another is it, you know, commander and background combination sort of thing. And really straightforward. I love it. Non-creature spell could be anything. Artifacts, spells, enchantments, what have you. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's just target creature. It doesn't have it doesn't say target creature you control, you know, if that matters at all for some reason. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to say about Levon. What do you think, Dave? Treasure cruise, attack for nine. <laughs> GG's. Seems, seems pretty good. Seems decent. I'll take it. Yeah. William, what do you think? Yeah, this is absolutely just a kiln fiend in the command zone. It's like two kiln fiends in the command zone. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you know, it's it's cast a non-creature spell, like like Brad said. No, that's everything that's good. And, <laughs> and then you just give something plus X plus O. So Kiln Fiend, you know, sometimes better because Treasure Cruise. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm pretty... two Kiln Fiends in a trench coat. I, I'm, I'm pretty high on this. Uh, giving it a blue background makes sense. I'm thinking probably the Sword Coast Sailor one, where it makes it unblockable. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Pumping this deck full... You can still catch your treasure cruise for one and pump your creature by seven or eight. Oh yeah. Oh That's yeah, cool. Brad. I'm I'm very high on putting this with that sailor one. Non like you know, like 
make attack with a creature and the person's like yeah, yeah okay i take two i take three and like it, it says target creature not even your command so like let's say you actually have a kiln fiend or a pyroceratops yeah something that's already fairly large because of its own ability but then you target it with levon's ability and all of a sudden you know here's a you know 24 that unblockable enjoy very okay. high on this all right, that wraps up the red. I think we're going to move into the last color of the pie here with green. I think Dave's going to take over this one for us. Go ahead. I'll do a few green ones. First green guy on the list is, I'm, I'm going to pronounce this person's name wrong, Aranis Gloomstalker. That uh, Aranis is a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three with Death Touch, and they are somehow just a scare killer in the command zone. Whenever Aranus Gloomstalker attacks, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. The possibilities. I would gentlemen. like to rule zero this to have Putna and Putna with Togo. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Seems completely fair. Right. Fair and balanced. Yeah, I, I have strong opinions on this. Uh, if it's not a non creature spell that I'm good at, then it's lands. Yeah. I, I look forward to losing to this a lot. Yeah, for sure. Brad, what do you think? It's good. It's good. I'm not super into... Whatever this card is trying to do is an archetype that I'm not, not good at. Um, like Liam with Sand, he, he struggles with aristocrats. Yeah, I could definitely see it in a landfall deck. But typically for me, once... I, I don't know what, what, what happens in my brain, but as soon as like my land is not on the battlefield or in my hand, I don't care about it anymore. So I tend to forget <laughs> that they're even in the graveyard. Because uh, I'm more worried about whatever else crap that I'm doing. I could definitely be talked into it. I can see that there's power, you know, inherently built into this card. I just, I can't unlock it by myself, pretty much. Do you remember the cycle of lands from Streets of New Capenna? Mm -hmm. that enter play and you sacrifice them, gain a life to fetch? Yep. That's the play. You just do that every single time. Oh, that's two landfall triggers right there. That's a lot of landfall triggers. <laughs> I think no matter what background you pair this with, I mean, I'm I'm also you know bad at math, so I think as long as you don't pair this with a green background, you can play all five of those lands. That makes uh, sense. There might be one that you can't. No, no. If you play if in green red, you only get four of those cards. Green red, you only get four of them. Okay, so then it would well green green, green white, you only get four of them as well. Green white, you only get four, but okay. the other and, two, green blue and green black, you should get all five. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, and I'd probably I don't know what background i pair this with but i'd probably either pair it with blue or black anyway just for the land shenanigans yeah same here mm -hmm. i don't think you're losing too much here 80 percent of my reason to pair this with black is so that i have demir house guard to tutor for scare tiller so i can do this twice i think the main thing that's hanging me up on the gloom stalker is you get that land graveyard ability trigger whatever it is when when it attacks like you have to be willing to let it die to get that land back I mean, I know, uh, you know, I know that that's touch, a fair right? point. What's that? It's got death touch. No one's blocking it. So counterpoint. Okay. It has death touch. Mm -hmm. The red background that lets you sacrifice things to deal damage makes the commander creature deal the damage. Does it now? So here's, here's a counterpoint. Try this on precise. All right. Fairness. The red background lets you sacrifice an artifact or a creature to have the commander deal damage to any target. Artifact lands. Ooh. Oh, there it is. Any, yep. Anyone who tries to block the Gloomstalker, you just chuck the artifact land at them, death touch, their blocker dies, Aranus survives, to get your lands back constantly. Yeah. I think the only issue with this yes. is that you have to choose which land you're returning before they even make blocks. But once you get that first yep. artifact land in that bin, it's over. 
Yeah, okay. exactly. I can definitely be talked into that 100%. Yeah. Ooh. So just another one. I feel like there's been one or two out of each color where I'm where I'm just like, I got to see it with some backgrounds before I know if I like it or not. And this was definitely one of them. But I don't. I do like it now. Totally fair. I'm going to move on to Halson in the interest of time. Uh, Halson is our next green commander. Halson is a four mana, two, four elf druid with choose a background and... For one mana, until end of turn, target token you control becomes a green bear with base power and toughness 4-4 in addition to its other colors and types. I would like to start out saying I drafted this guy. This guy was my commander in the uh, the draft I did. Mm-hmm. And I paired him with a, a background that gives all of my tokens plus two plus two. And I beat the entire table to death with six six treasures. <laughs> that sounds impressive. It was a really good time. It sounds like a good time. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun. I was I was thinking about building this guy with that white background just so I could do that. But then I did it in the draft. I'm like, that itch has been scratched, and now I'm good. I don't have to build this deck anymore. That just seems perfect. A bunch of 6-6 six, six tokens for one mana. Yeah. Some, someone played a board wipe in the middle of the game, and I was like, my treasures survive. I'm good, bro. Next turn, recast Halson, attack you for 18 with my treasures. Like, thanks for the board wipe, idiot. Like... Uh, it was good. It was very good. What do you think about Halston there, Liam? I think my only comment on Halston is it makes fake bears. And we have an amazingly refined bear coming up. <laughs> what Dave did in the draft sounds amazing. So I think it's potential to be strong if left unchecked. Sure. Here's my rebuttal to the fake bears. I was using Slowpoke Pokemon cards as my treasure tokens. That's fantastic. So, that is awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah, it was good. It's very good. Okay, I'm going to move on one more time. Yep. The next green commander is named Skanos Dragonheart. Skanos, maybe? Skanos? Skanos? Sure. Who knows? Skanos is a 4-4 Dragon Ranger for 5 mana. Choose a background, and whenever Skanos attacks, it gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the greatest power among other dragons you control and dragon cards in your graveyard. So if someone tries to kill your big dragon in response to this trigger, the big dragon goes to the graveyard and he still gets that big, which is a pretty cool mechanic. What do we think of Skanos? I think that the interaction where someone can't just kill your biggest dragon is nice. They thought about that and, and allow you to keep that buff. I mean, other than that, just seems like a, a big beefy dude. And I would much rather just play uh, Levon because non-creature spells. Totally fair. Sure. Brad, how do you feel on Skinos? I feel like this is pretty good. It's sort of like what I want. You know, if there's creature type dragon on a green creature... I want it to be just a big, dumb idiot that beats face. And this seems yeah. like it wants to do exactly that. And, and like Liam said, too, okay, the first time you try to use it, they kill your biggest dragon. Well, the second time you use it, that biggest dragon is in your graveyard. You still get its power, you know, its bonus. So it wants to... You still get it the first time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. But it wants to use your your other big, dumb idiots. It wants to use your graveyard, all that good stuff. So I am definitely on board with, with Mr. Dragonheart. Good, good. I am going to pass things over right here. There's one more mono green legendary commander that needs talked about, but it is not for me to introduce. Well, Liam, well done. Take us away. Righty, here we go. My favorite of the background commanders. We have Wilson, the refined grizzly. He's a one of the green 2-2 bear warrior. He cannot be countered. He has Vigilance, Reach, and Trample, and Ward 2. He also allows you to choose a background. There is absolutely no commander that has ever been printed that is more perfect than Wilson is. He has many keywords, much invasion, and much protection built onto him. In addition, every background that you could pair with this commander is a perfect match. Play Wilson. 
play more Wilson, play even more Wilson. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> I think that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. I have nothing to add to this. No, I don't. I think anything I add to it would just be a detriment to what you said. Yeah. I mean, just look at the refined taste that this Grizzly has. He's drinking some kind of potion. I, I mean, I don't know what, but it's got to be good. He's sipping his He's drinking a potion with his pinky claw with sticking pinky out. out. I know. Absolutely. Because he is, he's refined. He has a very refined taste. I love it. Well said, sir. Yeah, I think that wraps up our background, choose a background commanders. Our next step is moving into the backgrounds themselves. Am I correct, Brad? That is correct. That's what we're going to do. Awesome. I will go ahead and give us a start on the white ones then. I want to go ahead and preface this with, we talked about during the choose a background commanders, which backgrounds we liked pairing with certain commanders. Obviously, those are just our personal preferences. However, we do encourage you to just brew whatever strikes your heart and you fancy. So with that, I think I'm just going to go through real quick and just read what these do. Maybe touch on a quick like rules tip if I see one, but other than that... I think we're just going to go quickly through these in in interest of time, but also we've already talked about the commanders we think pair best with these. So the first one we have is Fire Traveler for two and a white. Commander creatures you own have, at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one target tapped creature you control, then return to the battlefield under its owner's control. As I said earlier, this pairs well with that dragon, which can give creatures pseudo-vigilant. That tapped nature is important. Other than that, I think this is a fairly strong enabler. Inspiring Leader is our next one at two and a white. Commander creatures you own have creature tokens you control get plus two plus two turning your commando into an anthem for your token deck seems fairly strong next one we have is veteran soldier for one in a white commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks a player if no opponent has more life than that player for each opponent create a one one white soldier creature token that's tapped and attacking that player that's a lot of words there i think this one has a lot of potential but it's going to be for someone who has a little more patience to uh, understand that than I do. <laughs> so it's this one is part of a cycle. There's there's one one background at each color has an ability that's formatted this way, and it basically just means you need to attack the opponent with the most life. Yep. Every every time you attack the opponent with the most life, you get some small reward for doing so. Yeah. Deep, this one gives you tokens. But written out basically. It's well, dethrone can never trigger if you are the player with the most life. Ah, yeah, that's right. So, so this this only looks at opponents' life totals. So even if you have a lot of life, it can still trigger. I always forget nice. that Dethrone doesn't like work when you have the highest life because I yeah. always have the lowest life. <laughs> right. Like if you're on the throne, none of your Dethrone stuff works. It's yeah, I, I, I always have the lowest life. My my friends never let me have any fun. <laughs> that's fair. But uh, that wraps up our white backgrounds. Uh, Brad, I'm going to pass on to you for the I just want to... Yeah, Dave. I want to really quickly mention Veteran Soldier, I think, pairs really interestingly with Amber, Grizzle, Amal. She's the one that draws cards for each opponent you're attacking. So with Soldier, oh, yes. you're always attacking three opponents. Yep, so you're always oh, got some power there. Many cards. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I like it. We're going to move to Brad for blue. Yep. I'll start us off here. Uh, there's three in blue. I'll just kind of run through them real quick. First one we have is Dungeon Delver for a colorless and a or generic and a blue. It's a legendary enchantment background that says commander creatures you own have room abilities of dungeons you own trigger an additional time. Uh, this is very interesting. I think just like Emolyn and I forgot the name, but the black uncommon. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the one that cares about dungeons. You'll have to you'll have to dedicate a dungeon deck to the fauna. Is the yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you'll have to be pretty committed to traversing the dungeons if if you want this enchantment to pay off i don't think it's super powerful but i think it can be a whole lot of fun if that's what you're into next up we're going to go on to the next one 
is Feywild Visitor. I think Dave, you alluded to this one earlier. It's too generic mm -hmm. in a blue that says commander creatures you own have whenever one or more non-token creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you create a 1-1 one, one blue fairy dragon creature token with flying. This one of the three, I know I haven't read all three of them, but this one is probably my most favorite blue background. Just picturing a bunch of fairy dragon tokens flying around, and it synergizes well with, with the other dragons, just about of any color, if you want to pair them with, with um, the green or the red dragon, what have you. What do you guys think real quick on that one? I have this one paired with uh, Sivers, the Deals Warlock, mostly because I, I, very, I badly want him in blue. Okay. And the other two are sort of not great for him. But this gives me tokens of sacrifice, and uh, yeah, it can do things. Solid? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it can definitely work if you're doing a, some sort of um, aristocrat strategy. Yeah, sacrifice strategy. Perfect. I didn't even thought about that. I was thinking I was so focused on the, uh, the dragon synergies, but yeah, that works too. I think this also pairs really well with Ganex, the red dragon that makes you treasure tokens. Right. Yep. That's the one we were talking about that one and you alluded to this mm -hmm. background. That's what I had. That's what I was thinking in my head. But I already closed out that window mm -hmm. and I couldn't couldn't pull it up. <laughs> um, no worries. Last one here for blue is a Sword Coast Sailor for a generic and a blue. It says commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks. Well, excuse me. Whenever this creature attacks a player, if no opponent has more life than that player, this creature cannot be blocked this turn. Seems fun. I think you can get a lot of damage, possibly. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know that there's a lot to say about this one. It seems pretty straightforward. I don't know if I'm missing something sort of subtle about this card or maybe perhaps underneath what's going on, but um I don't I don't know, but when I get to uh when I get to a round to build my battle box, I'm absolutely almost every time going to build a uh, Levon and Sword Coast Thela because <laughs> I want to do absolutely nothing more than just mash in faces with 2020s. <laughs> yeah, seems beautiful with Levon. Seems it great. Looks wonderful. Yep. And that's it. We got um three of each color, so that wraps up the blue. Dave, you want to take us on to the black backgrounds. The first black background we have is Agent of the Iron Throne. It's a three mana commander creatures you own have whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield. Each opponent loses one life. This is the aristocrats background that I was thinking about pairing with uh, Ellen Harbury's to just make a lot of treasures. If you can make four treasures and sacrifice four treasures, then you can. Everyone loses four life, <laughs> and you're drawing cards off Ellen and getting mana from the treasures. Seems yeah, like I, it could be something. Yeah. I mean, turning your commander into a disciple of the vault, and then also Azula put Cutthroat at the same time, yeah. and then also being able to run disciple of the vault and if i mean i know you talk about pairing with ellen but if you pair it with gut you get access to impact tremors and i just oh, feel yeah. like <laughs> i just feel like you just start draining opponents for three or four every turn just because your commander does things let alone whatever other shenanigans you may be doing you told me 20 minutes ago that you didn't understand sacrifice decks no no no. i understand i understand you... what they <laughs> do i don't understand when to do it <laughs> all the time every available opportunity you understand this perfectly that's it dave dave, don't dave, dave i i understand how they work just not when they work <laughs> all the time <laughs> but at every available opportunity that's that's when you, you've already got this you're, you're thinking about it too hard yep right. the next black background we have is the uh whenever a 
it attacks the player with whenever it attacks the opponent with the most life. This is a two mana agent of the Shadow Thieves, and the reward you get for attacking the opponent with the most life is your attacking creature, your attacking commander, gets a plus one plus one counter and death touch and indestructible until end of turn. It's going to be really hard to block. It's going to be impossible to block profitably, right? Because it's going to survive for sure, and it's going to get bigger. I I really like this one with Wilson. Wilson has so much vigilance, reach, trample giving him death touch and indestructible and making him bigger. Seems like a high quality play. I'm here for it. Or yeah. hear me out. Wilson can become a sailor and become unblockable. Wilson can become a sailor. He this can. is true. Wilson can be anything he wants. He's he very defined. Look at him. He can be whatever he wants to be. The last black background we have is called Criminal Past. This is a three mana enchantment that will give commander creatures you own menace and plus X plus O, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. This card is garbage. It doesn't mention, mention instant of sorceries anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see, one of the PDH files might be working on this, but I really want to see a mono black deck with Saravok, who, oh. you know, makes players lose, lose life equal to his power. Right. I want to see Saravok and this with just like a 12 power Saravok. Like, oh no. You know, just you'll, you'll usually come up with something to sacrifice or kill, but like when you don't, it's devastating. Yeah. But Mono Black also has Tainted Strike. Mono Black? Uh, back life or damage? It's just they lose life. Oh, uh, no, I thought yeah. it deals damage. Yeah. Oh, man. They lose X life yeah. where it's... Oh, it's so they thought about it. They thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do have... I mean, if you want to go crazy and just get them in one shot, we do have that Endless Scream or whatever. Like the Black, oh, yeah, and, yeah. black and X target creature gets X plus O until the end of turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Howl from Beyond. Yeah, basically. Yeah, there's some there's some juice you can do with this criminal pass. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing I haven't thought of too. I don't want to get too derailed off the backgrounds, but I'm so I was so like focused, hyper focused on a commander of one color and a background of another color. You know, it hadn't even really occurred to me to do red and red or black and black, like we were just talking about mm -hmm. blue and blue. You know, that's definitely an option. It's just something mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of before. Yeah, I, I ended up experimenting with that a handful of times with the Commander Legends partners. Like I have a mono white deck with Radiant and Arden. Okay. And a, a mono black deck with Nadir and Miara. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've started to put myself into that headspace where like you're you're sort of deliberately kneecapping your own color right. options, <laughs> but give yourself a really cool ability right in the command zone. Yeah. And if we're done with the black backgrounds, I'll move us into the red ones. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Have at it. All right. Our first one is Dragon Cultist, four and a red. If you look at this art very carefully, you will see Wilson there holding a red flame. Uh, it gives commander creatures you own have at the beginning of your end step. If a source you controlled dealt five or more damage this turn, create a 4-4 four, four red dragon creature token with flying. Seems good. You know, start pumping out good. that damage and you start making dragons that can pump out that damage even more. Uh, next one is Guild Artisan for one in red. Here you see Wilson carefully attaching what appears to be a diamond onto a bracelet. <laughs> Commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks a player. If no opponent has more life than that player, you create two treasure tokens. So here we go again. Attack that opponent with the highest life total. Create two treasures. And our final red background is Street Artisan, one in red. Here you see Wilson stealing food from a vendor. And this has Commander creatures you own have one, sacrifice another creature or an artifact. This creature deals one damage to any target. Note that this is giving this ability to your commander. So this is, like we said earlier, your commander dealing that damage. Right. While it is not commander damage because it's not combat damage, it is relevant for any keywords your commander does have, such as lifelink or death touch. Or infect. 
or infect. I do love me some infect. <laughs> Gross. Look, my, my two favorite mechanics in the game, Dave, are infect and storm. You're going to have to deal with it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh okay. That's rough. Well, let's leave that behind us. We'll I'm, move on to the last of the backgrounds we got here, and that's the green ones. We'll start with a colorless and a green for Acolyte of Bahumet. Not sure I said that right. But commander creatures you own, Bahamut. Okay. Commander creatures you own have the first dragon spell you cast each turn, cost two less to cast. We did mention this one earlier. Seems fun. It's really straightforward. I don't I don't think there's anything going on underneath here. Do you think I missed anything or it's just something that wants you to cast cheap dragons? No, I think it's just that. I think we made a, a point earlier when pairing it with that uh blue dragon flying to cast at flash speed. This seems like a good pairing there, but other than that, I think yeah, you're pretty much you're very much on the point of just casting dragons. Okay. Moving on, this one seems to be a popular one. I've seen a lot of people talk about it. it is Cloakwood Hermit for two generic and a green. It says commander creatures you own have, quote, at the beginning of your end step. If a creature card was put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, create two tapped 1-1 one, one green squirrel creature tokens, end quote. This has a lot going on, even for a background. It definitely pairs. This is one of the handful of backgrounds, I think, that pairs well with most of the uncommon monocolored commanders. What do you think? I think that one of the huge themes in this set was tokens and token creation. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of these commanders that work really, really well with token strategies and go wide strategies and all of it. I think that, you know, Ellen wants you to make tokens. Lulu wants to make your tokens bigger and is going to reward you with the same trigger. This right. end step, if a creature died. Sivris wants you to have a lot of tokens, so you have things to sacrifice. Halson wants you to have a lot of squirrel tokens, so you can turn them into bears. Like, this just, I think you're right. This pairs with everything. Yeah, it really does. Um, you never... I can't imagine you'd really feel bad if you drafted it or if you built a deck with it, what have you. Seems good. If you look closely at that, you see Wilson meditating. <laughs> see Wilson everywhere. Lastly, we got Hardy Outlander for a generic and a green. It says, commander creatures you own have, whenever this creature attacks a player, if no opponent has more life than that player, another target creature you control gets plus X plus X until the end of turn, where X is that creature's power. This one also seems good with dragons. This one also seems good with Levon, et cetera, et cetera. I like the backgrounds because they don't they don't have to get very complicated with them, but they still feel really good to play. They still they still make for interesting decks, interesting gameplay, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree. I'm realizing now that I completely misunderstood this card the first time I read it. I the thought, Outlander. Yeah, I thought this gave a, a your your non commander creature a buff equal to your commander's power. Mm-hmm. But now I'm reading it, and I think it gives your non-commander creature a buff equal to that creature's power. I think it doubles a different creature's power. Correct. The, your, your commander has the ability of targeting another thing, giving it plus X plus X of the commander's power. It's the commander's power, not the other creature's power? Uh, where X is this creature's power. I would assume it's... This creature's or that? Oh, so oh I thought it was that creature's power. So I was... I did read it right the first time. Yeah. And then I confused myself in this podcast, and now I'm back on track. It does say target creature you control gets blah, 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 where X is this creature's power. Yeah, the, the commander creature has the ability. Yeah. That's this oh, creature. Because it's not, it's not putting on another quote onto the other creature. Okay, yep. I got it. Yep. So this is just Surferin on something yep. else. Yeah. Okay. I already have a Surferin deck, so I'm not going to build a Hardy Outlander deck, but I like it. All right. That wraps up all the, well, the uncommon backgrounds anyway. We'll get to the common backgrounds in the next episode. Dave, do you want to kind of tell us what this next step's going to be about? And then I'll, I'll take it from there. 
Sure. Uh, I'll wrap up with the common backgrounds to say that uh, if you want to rule zero them into your games, play with the common backgrounds, pair those with your uncommon commanders. Technically, it's illegal. We voted on it as a rules committee, and we said only the uncommons are going to be officially legal in the command zone. So right. uh, the commons are a rule zero situation, but we will talk about them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The next set of commanders, we are about halfway done, so buckle yourselves in. Uh, the next set of commanders we're talking about are what we, we traditionally call the signpost uncommons. Uh, this is something that Liam mentioned a lot in uh, the first episode, where you, you go to a set, you find the signpost uncommon for the color pair you love. This set, true to form, has a signpost uncommon for each two-color pair. Each of them is a legendary creature, and yep. uh, we're going to talk about them all. Yep, I'm going to run through them. Kind of like you said, the, these these signpost cards, they tell you what the that color pair wants to be doing. So when you draft it, it'll sort of hold your hand and bring you in a certain direction. But I uh, will go ahead and start off with the Azorius one. It's OG, the Exquisite Blade for two generic, a white and a blue. It's a legendary human monk. It's a 2-3. When OG, the Exquisite Blade, enters the battlefield, you gain two life and scry two. When you cast your second spell each turn, exile up to one target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. I like generally everything that's going on here. Scrying... Flickering, blinking, gaining life, drawing cards, casting spells. What do you think, Dave, real quick? I think that this is a very powerful card. I think that white-blue as a color pair is sort of already pretty saturated with really powerful flicker effects. And I'm not yeah. sure yet whether or not this is among them. Okay. Time will tell. Right That's now fair. I suspect that Mist Meadow and Soul Herder are stronger. But I could, yeah, absolutely. I could, be, I could be super wrong about that. Liam, do you like the Exquisite Blade? Definitely very interesting. Casting two spells a ton is definitely one of the new uh, mechanics to come out in recent years that I enjoy. But I think it's, it's I don't know what to think about it. It's telling you to kind of balance itself because it, it, the commander itself enters and gains you two life and scribes too. But I feel like there are just so many other commanders that kind of already do this. The one that's coming to my mind is a Cloud Blazer, I think, where it enters the battlefield, gains you two life, all the two cards. While it doesn't allow you to liquor things on itself that deck already runs a critical density of those effects uh so i think this commander in particular enables you to run less of those effects and more of the etb creatures more of those those value creatures so it seems right. all right I, I i think it's a deck style that we already have just in a slightly different format yeah absolutely i, I do think soul Hoard, soul herder at least at this point is probably more powerful but mm -hmm. the dream with the exquisite blade is probably to have like Muldrifter on board Mm -hmm. Just constantly casting spells, drawing cards. That way you don't run out of, you know, your hand's not empty or whatever. But like you said, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Time will tell. Next up, we have Rilsa, right? Rilsa Rail? Mm -hmm. Kingpin? Sure. For three generic, a blue and a black, we have a legendary human rogue. It's a 2-5 with death touch. When Rilsa Rail Kingpin enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. Whenever you attack, target attacking creature gains death touch until the end of turn. If you've completed a dungeon, the creature also gets plus five, plus zero, and gains first strike and menace until the end of turn. <laughs> wow. I'm not big on dungeons, but this this seems kind of nutsy. Yeah. Of all the cards in Baldur's Gate, this is the one that I am far and away the most excited about. I built this deck the instant she was spoiled. I, <laughs> I, I got the last couple cards for it like yesterday. I'm ready to play with this deck. I'm really enthusiastic. She does everything that I want her to do. She gives you the initiative on, a, on ETB, which right. 
puts you into the dungeon and it creates this monarch mechanic that gets passed around. Uh, if you're feeling generous, you can pass it around and end up in these games where everyone's attacking each other, trying to get it back, which I think right. are great. Those are the best kind of games. If you're feeling defensive, she's a 2-5 death touch. Who's going to attack into that? If someone yeah, does get it away from... I'm sorry, go ahead. But. No, I was saying absolutely. That's just a wall. I mean, yeah. yeah. She's she's massive. She's thick. If you do somehow lose it, the clapback is her with death touch and another creature with death touch. You get two death touchers attacking. So I built this deck that's just full of tramplers. Like, yeah, block my trample death touch thing. <laughs> See how well that goes for you. Like, I'm going to get this initiative back and I'm going to finish this dungeon. All right. I, I also packed the deck with flicker abilities so that I can just get the initiative a lot. And like, yeah. like Liam was saying earlier, if you have the initiative and you get the initiative again, you still go further into the dungeon. So I'm going to finish the dungeon and then I'm going to give creatures five power and first strike and menace and death touch. And I'm going to give that to tramplers. <laughs> like, what is anyone ever going to do to stop me at that point? Like, nothing. I think the answer <laughs> is nothing. I'm so excited about this card. <laughs> I think that the whole show we're gone, you know, almost two hours now, and that was the most passionate I've heard you speak about any card so far. <laughs> I'm very into Rilsa. You got any words on Rilsa, Liam, or did Dave pretty much uh, Dave, say everything? Dave said everything there is to say. I am also very high on this, and I look forward to when I get to build it. Awesome. All right, next up, we'll move to the Rakdos colors. We got Mahadi Emporium Master. For a generic, a black and a red, we have a legendary Cat Devil at 3-3. And it says, at the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each creature that died this turn. Hello, aristocrats. This this looks amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, see, Dave, this one is telegraphing very clearly what it wants you to do. Okay, yeah, I understand this one. Things die, <laughs> you get a treasure token. <laughs> and you want them to die before your end step. There you go. Yep. So when you say things die, you mean everything on your board dies to Ashnod's altar to fuel a fireball, except Reckless Fireweaver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the play. Perfect. <laughs> and 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 except for Disciple. Yes. Disciple. Yes. See, see, you understand. You understand everything there is know about the sacrifice. No, Dave, 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 you need to. Understand. I don't. I don't understand sacrifice decks. I understand affinity. Oh There's no. A key difference. I've been betrayed again. How can this keep happening to me? He's like the hustler at the pool hall. Like, I don't know how to play. Will you teach me to play pool? And then, like, next thing you know, you're you're out $500. If wow. Infect, Storm, and Affinity. You just, this is the trifecta of evil. You, you're just yep. going for all three, huh? Yep. That's incredible. All right, let's move on to the Gruel Dragon. We have Thrakus the Butcher. For three generic, a red, and a green, we have a legendary Dragon Peasant. Weird to have a legendary peasant, but it's a 3 4 trampler without flying, just a trampler. Whenever Thrakus the Butcher attacks, double the power of each dragon you control until the end of turn. Each and every dragon you control. That is, I would like I to don't know how actually amazing it is, but I cannot wait to build this deck. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited. I don't, I rarely get excited about gruel dragons, but I am super excited about about this one so at the pre-release that my lgs had my my draft was was actually pretty wild i i knew i wanted to do dragon things so i just started kind of just forcing dragons you know red green blue all over the place picking up uh commanders as they went 
in pack one, I had uh, Levon and I can't remember which, I had a green background. I, can, I couldn't tell you which one, uh, but I was just running it for the color. And in pack two, I picked up Thrakis. I was like, oh, this is about to get way out of hand because, you know, doubling the power of your dragon. And I had a, I had a pretty solid red-green dragon deck built, but I, I, I kept picking a couple blue ones just in case something came around. And then pack three, I actually about halfway through the pack had the Tima dragon passed to me and i'm just wow. sitting here so high on that let me tell you when you because and the team of dragon copies dragon spells and if the dragon spell it's copying is legendary it makes it non-legendary let me tell you what having two thraxes on the board does it ends game yeah. it ends games on ton six it'll end them real quick because i had like every color fixing and ramp spell i could find because i knew i was doing dragons so by the end of pack one i had uh, a diamond in each red green and blue i had a second red one i had the manolith that's also thought vessel like a vessel of endless waters or something i had evolving wild i had the red and green gate i had a cane signet i i made sure i had the ramp and the fixing because dragon but yeah let right. me tell you ton thick just swinging out for lethal i think it was like 120 damage with miram and thrakis <laughs> and like four other random dragons from the set oh thrakis is amazing that's amazing thrakis, i mean that was the power of miram more so than thrakis but sure. but let me tell you turning 20 power in the 40 and then 80 or even 30 into 60 and 120 it's still amazing and just turning you know 20 power into 40 is good so yeah, yeah i'm i'm also looking forward to building this one yeah that looks amazing and and you can if anyone who's interested if you uh dig into my twitter timeline you will find my draft deck it was bonkers mm -hmm. yeah it looked great look look like um a super good time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got Kadira, Caller of the Small, for a generic, a green and a white. It's a legendary orc ranger. It's a 3-3 three, three with trample. Whenever Kadira, Caller of the Small, deals combat damage to a player for each token you control, create a 1-1 one, one white rabbit creature token. That is so cute. Seems fun. A lot of tokens. Pretty straightforward here. I, I don't typically play a lot of Selesnia, a lot of green-white combinations, so not sure I'll be brewing up go wide rabbit tokens but the possibility what do you think dave i think this is as close as we get to cranko in pdh which is impressive this is exponential oh, growth true. with your tokens every single combat phase it should be doubling yeah, which is true. a lot it can be pretty threatening i think it's a lot less abusable than cranko cranko being a tap ability makes it you know right you can untap it and just do stupid nonsense this there's no way to get extra combat steps and poppers so this really is just a once per turn cycle kind of thing yeah. I think that she's really cool and interesting. I think that I already have a couple green white token decks that are more cool and more interesting for me. So I'm not going to I'm not going to brew with her, but I'm really excited to see what other people come up with. Yeah, I think this you, you have to be specifically like wanting to just play with rabbits or play with orcs or something, but yeah. It seems fine. It'll do the thing you want it to do and exactly. you can't be upset about that. So, all right, next up we actually have my favorite two-color uh commander. My favorite two-color card that's come out probably since Flesh Taker, which was also white and black. We have Minthara, Merciless Soul, for two generic, a white and a black. We have a legendary elf cleric. That's already wonderful right there. She is a 2-2 with Ward X, where X is the number of experience counters you have. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've had experience counters at Uncommon. Oh, it is. Correct? And I'm so excited oh. for that. Yeah, me I'm too. the opposite of excited. <laughs> At the beginning of at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, you get an experience counter. That's pretty easy to do in white and black. And the very last line is creatures you control get plus one, plus zero for each each experience counter you have. I played with Minthara last Saturday and it was an absolute blast. I think I swung with I think I had four or five creatures on the board and I was swinging for like 32 damage. 
I mean, it's no 120, you know, with dragons. Yeah. But it was pretty impressive when you when you're dropping a token, and it's swinging for six the next turn or whatever. But no, it, it just has everything going on that I wanted to have going on. And Ward X is surprisingly powerful when you get even one, but you know, two, three, four, five experience counters. Unless they make you sacrifice it, or, or they can do, they have a lot of mana that Minthara is just going to stick on the board, mm-hmm. and you can just constantly use her abilities. I am very high on this commander. I think of all the two-color commanders, it's probably my favorite as well, mm-hmm. which is saying something because it's outside of Grixis. So, you know, it's not even good. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting here, like, experience counters is one of my favorite design for commander mechanics of all time. And that's saying something because I, I really am strongly against the design for commander mechanics. But just something about experience just speaks to me. I don't I don't know what it is. And so when we got the first PDH commander with experience, it just instantly became my favorite set. And literally nothing could have topped it except another experience commander in better colors. But <laughs> that that being said, I'm looking forward to building this one the most. It's, it's the first one on my list to get to when I get to the set because I'm still in Capenna. So yeah, when, no, I when I get to the set, I am... So looking forward to Minthara. Yeah, this was Minthara was the only PDH commander that I ever proxied up before the set was available in paper just to build a deck for. That's mm-hmm. how excited I was. I and I feel it did not disappoint. I feel the opposite. I'm I'm really bummed that this commander exists now. I I really dislike experience counters because they're completely uninteractable. There's nothing you can do about them at all. Like once once <laughs> someone has six, like you can't take those away. You can't do something. And like, no. what what you can do is you can take away the creature that utilizes them, unless that creature also has Ward Six. Like, unless that creature is untouchable, <laughs> right? Like, I, this is just like the perfect storm of like being unable to do anything about it, and it seems like it's just going to be really frustrating on every level to play against. I think this was a mistake. Like, it's, I don't think it's so much of a mistake that it's going to like you know make waves in in the competitive scene. I don't right. think it's going to be a, a competitive powerhouse to to compete with by any means. I just think it's going to like really throw a wrench into casual games in a way that I'm not looking forward to. Sure. No, I can definitely see that. I, I've only, like I said, I've only played the one game with it, and I could see how that would be a problem. <laughs> and I didn't even build the deck optimally. Like There were turns where I wasn't able to get a permanent off my board, mm-hmm. and I was still up to five, six, seven experience counters. Like It was just <laughs> nutty. She's nuts. All right, moving on to an Is It Dragon. We got Lozan Dragon's Legacy for three generic, a blue and a red. We got a legendary dragon shaman. It's a 4-2 with flying. And it says whenever you cast an adventure spell or a dragon spell, Lozan Dragon's Legacy deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to any target that is not or isn't a commander. Liam, you're the, you're the Is It guy in the room. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... The only drawback to this card is a limited card pool. There just aren't that many blue, red adventure or dragon spells. Right. And at at, at common, um, you know, it, uh, if you build this outside of PDH, this will be wow. It's just, in my opinion, a better vile smasher at that point because you get to choose where the damage goes. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, and PDH, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, the deck will probably be full of changelings. Yeah, I think you'd have to, to trigger that dragon. That dragon, but but every adventure and, and natural dragon I can run will be in there. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think I think there's more dragons than you guys realize. Oh no no I I there are more now because of this deck. Yeah, yeah because the ballers game. Correct. Like I when this card was spoiled, there were like ten cards that filled that card pool. Now I think there's more like forty or fifty. But there's, I'm I'm talking about just more playable ones. Like a lot of the new ones. A lot they're of them, all playable when they're burned. That's valid. Like 
I, I built this when, like you said, when Lojan originally got spoiled, there were about 10 cards that triggered her. And so I, I was like, this seems like it's going to be a challenge. And I went in building it, trying to come up with all these like weird squirrely tricks that I could use mm-hmm. to make sure that I was getting these triggers regularly. Like I, I put barbarian guides into the deck so I could bounce these creatures to my hands and like all these, you know, Aether trade wins. I went all out trying to make her work. And then they spoiled the rest of the set, and they gave us like twenty dragons in the set. And I was mm-hmm. like, and half of the dragons have adventure. Yep. Like they they trigger on both sides of the card. Like the deck just built itself at that point. And like we we have enough dragons now that she is, I think, a massive crazy threat. Like I, yeah. I just I pulled up the deck list. There are twenty seven cards in it that trigger her. Mm-hmm. And like those are that's just the good runs. I cut the bad ones. I think I think it's important that you said that every spell is playable once it's upon spell. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Moving on here, we got Kaga Shadow Arch Druid for two generic, a black and a green. It's a legendary elf druid and a one four. Whenever the Shadow Arch Druid attacks, it gains Death Touch until the end of turn, and you mill two cards. Once during each of your turns, you may play a land or cast a permanent spell from among cards in your graveyard that were put there from your library this turn. Seems like a lot to keep track of. I'm not good at keeping track of stuff, but it does play with the graveyard. It does play with casting spells from the graveyard, so I am definitely a fan of that. It's like Baby Get Rog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. I think someday when it grows up, it'll be Muldratha. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the attacks it has Death Touch, the one four with Death Touch, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. But I don't think we need to go too much of a deep dive on the Arch Druid. Uh, we'll go to one that kicked my butt on Saturday night, Commander Liara Port- Portier. For three generic, a red and a white, it's a five three legendary human soldier that says that when you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library. Until the end of turn, you may cast spells from among those exiled cards. <laughs> I need a nap. Yeah, there's a lot there. There is a lot to unpack here. Yeah, it was our buddy Dallas, Common Commander on Twitter, piloted Liara uh, pretty masterfully, I think. There was so much inevitability with this commander that you just knew at a certain point that you just had to sit back and take it and hope that you weren't going to be the one that got attacked or you weren't going to be the one that was eating that fireball or whatever. I I think that there's a lot of inevitability. I think it's also, I think it's a sort of like fragile inevitability because like she has to be, a, oh, she doesn't have to attack. I lied. No, nope, wow. just when you attack. Okay, that changes everything. Yeah, it's nuts. I guess you do, you still need to maintain sort of a critical mass of attackers to, to keep that functional. And like if people, sure. people can sort of turtle up and go on defensive and start blocking your stuff, which might slow the bleeding a little bit. Right. And there were times oh, where, you know, interesting. like any impulse card or impulse spell, you know, you'll, you'll reveal a land and you can't play it or this and that. But for the most part, it was, it was pretty crazy strong. A lot of artifact synergy, a lot of affinity stuff, zero casting cost creatures and equipment, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I also really like that she reduces the cost of your adventure spells, of your adventured creatures, I guess. Yeah. Because she's not, she's not just reducing the, the cost of the cards that she herself exiles. She's reducing the cost of anything you cast from exile. Right. Yeah. There's really, I think of all the multicolor uncommons we got from this set, this one's probably the most complex. Is that the mm-hmm. right word? Is that the word I'm looking for? Probably not the most, you know, the most busted, the strongest one, but definitely the most complex one. There's a lot of potential there. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, we have a Simic commander. We have Corlesa Scale Singer. It's a legendary dragon bard. It's a 1 4. It says you may look at the top card of your library anytime. 
you may cast dragon spells from the top of your library anytime. Um, I, no, I, I don't have much of an interest in playing the scale singer. What about you guys? I think there's a lot better dragon options in the set. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make for a very interesting commander. And I do look forward to playing this because I, I think that future sight line of being able to look at the top card of your library is important. But then also being able to cast dragons off the top seems oddly relevant. And I'm not quite sure why. But maybe it's also just the flavor of a dragon bud has got me enraptured. Yeah, it could be. Maybe he's singing to you. It's like a siren. Yeah. Um, and it could be one of those cards that just sits and does nothing for the next 18 months, 24 months, and then they print something that totally breaks it. You know, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It happened. It's happened before. It'll happen again. I mean, what? We've got like Brothers War in four months. That's just going to break everything in half. It's going to break literally oh. everything. <laughs> it's an artifact. Awesome. And like, I mean, it's not confirmed, but it's got to be an artifact set. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. All right. Well, we are trudging along here. We got one more little um, mini topic to go over, and then we will be wrapping it up for the night. The last thing we want to talk about is we just sort of collected a group of miscellaneous uncommon creatures from this set that we could, you know, we're interested in either building around or we want to see how they work in the format and just, just anything that sort of piqued our interests uh, overall. So, Dave, you want to start us off here? Yeah. These are the uncommon non-legendary creatures that are legal commanders for our format, but not any other format. The first among these I want to talk about is an entire cycle of dragons that have an adventure. Uh, there's one for each color. They're for the for the most part they are six mana, four four flyers with another ability. The white one has vigilance, the red one has haste, and then they also have a little adventure that you can use from the command zone, so that you're only ever paying six for the creature itself if you're always paying the commander tax on the adventure half, which I think is really interesting, giving you access to these dragons pretty pretty accessibly yeah the abilities are sort of okay uh the green one is very interesting in that the the adventure half is an instant that counters an activated or triggered ability which can be very cool the blue one counters any non-creature spell so if you want to be like utilizing these things from your command zone and then switching it up into a massive body you can do that i think they're going to be moderately interesting i think they will see significantly more play than i'm giving them credit for i think they're that good or that that versatile like you were saying. What do you think, Liam? Do you like some going on adventures with dragons? Pretty good. Uh, my only questionable one is the green one, countering an activated or triggered ability from a non-creature source on the adventure. Yeah, but that seems very specific. I'm, I'm sitting here rereading them. Brad, all I got to say is that the black one, the Topaz Dragon, gives creatures death touch for two mana. Yes. I, for, for, for the listeners who maybe don't follow me or Brad on, on Twitter or, I mean, who weren't present for the uh, pre-show conversation, something that's been on my mind lately is giving crypt rats death touch. Uh, I can't exactly remember how this topic came up, but uh, a popular commander for said strategy is the large dinosaur beast uh, mono black creature from Ikoya who cycles to give a creature a death touch counter. Now, obviously, you can't cycle from the command zone, but you pass that commander, have it die in some way, which you're playing mono black, so you know, pick and choose how you want to do that. Yeah, and then, no problem there. Yeah, and then returning that creature from your graveyard to your hand so you can cycle it, giving Crypt Rat a death touch counter. And I'm just sitting here laughing because here it is a much easier way to actually cast from the command zone. It's like two hoops you don't have to jump through. Yeah. That just seems gross. And I yeah, look forward to doing is, something it, with that. It seems gross, and I look forward to doing it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm looking forward to these uh, adventure dragons. Oh, yeah, the as it were. adventure dragons look great. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take it off with another one called Thalos Bane. Yep. This is a commander that is seven blue blue. It is a seven seven dragon turtle with ward four. Now, what's important about this card is it's 
other ability, which says it costs one less to cast for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard. That's an instant, a sorcery, or a card that has an adventure. I want to talk about two things about this real quick. Uh, the first one is just that instant sorcery or a card that has an adventure in exile and in your graveyard. That's going to be a lot more common than you think it is, especially yep. if you build around it. And taking advantage of, uh, in particular, Blackback Cut, because they count both in your graveyard and then later when you recast them and exile them, they still count. That discountability also doesn't say it limits how much it can discount. So this card could effectively cost blue blue the whole game because when you're casting a spell you do regular cost then uh cost additions then cost reduction so command attacks will apply before this card's own ability which reduces the cost so you could be looking at a two blue seven seven with ward four for the whole game which just seems like a real beater and then the thing i would yeah. do is kind of from like a judge perspective i saw some uh, people questioning that last line or a card that has an adventure. Like, why would you specify that when all of the adventures we have so far is a creature card with an instant or sorcery adventure? And when it's in exile, you know, why wouldn't it count it there? That's actually because when the adventure isn't on the stack, the card is a creature everywhere else. That's, you know, in the graveyard, in exile, outside the game, in your hand, in the deck, it's a creature. So when it's in exile, such as, you know, let's take the uh, the Sapphire Dragon that you, uh, the, the blue Commander Dragon, you send it on an adventure. When it's sitting in exile, it's actually a creature. It's not that instant. So I feel like they, they put that there because people would kind of see the adventures in the set, kind of make a connection that would be wrong. But also that templating a card that has an adventure leaves a lot of room for interpretation as to what they could do with adventures in the future. So I'm kind of looking forward to Sailor's Bane and, and seeing what it could do both now and in the future. Yeah, it seems that, that was all very well said, by the way. It seems really absurd. Like it's if you have any way to to pump its power, it's literally two rounds of combat and you're dead from commander damage. All I'm saying is treasure crew. <laughs> I believe exile seven cards. Yeah. 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 I I've played against this a uh, couple times in competitive games already, and it is a horrifying menace. It is a threat. It, this this card is this is going to be the most impactful card on the competitive scene from the entire set. Oh uh, yeah, I, I can I can definitely yeah, I can believe that. It it's it is reliably castable on turn three or four. I believe it. And for the rest of the game, it will only ever cost two mana. When it's on the field, it's pretty interactable. Like, you, you think about this, you know, turn three, turn four threat that's a 7-7. Seven, seven. You can never profitably block this thing, even without the, the controller, like, playing these, you know, plus one, plus one and flying, or plus one, plus right. oh, and unblockable until end of turn things. Like, even without that, it's, it's so hard to block. And it has Ward 4, so you can't meaningfully interact with it until, like, turn 6 or 7. And when you do, you just gotta play it again for 2 mana. Like, <laughs> in, in the game I played, like, someone spent all game trying to dig for their Relic of Progenitus, because they thought that exiling this guy's graveyard was gonna oh, stop oh, this. No. And, like, he finally got it, and we were like, oh, sweetheart, no. That way. <laughs> no, 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 this thing still costs 2 mana, like, uh, oh, the, no. the thing is a horror show. Yeah, and that the Ward, okay. Which is worse, the power toughness or the ward four? Forget forget like its reduction cost and all that. The stuff. ward four, because if you had enough removal spells, you could just keep it off the field. Yeah. But you never have enough removal spells when they all cost six. Yeah. <laughs> right. You never do anything else for the rest of the game. I don't typically play competitive Popper Commander or CPDH, but I'm probably gonna build a couple of decks just to have them on hand and Sailor's Bane is definitely gonna be one of them. It's a good one. Um it, if it you... seems like it. If you run into Ryan, also known as Papa Popper, 
Oh, he was uh, he, brewing this like the minute it was spoiled. He he brewed it. He uh yeah, he and I had like an hour long conversation about what goes in it, what's really good. He he's he's been tuning it for, for weeks now and it is a threat. Like if you're interested in building this deck, talk to Ryan about it. Oh, he's the man yeah, in charge. Absolutely. That'll be my first uh, stop whenever I decide to build it. All right. My two interesting uncommons we have here were um fondly dubbed the Myriad Kids. I'll go ahead and name them off real quick. We have one that's in whites, the hammers of Moradin. For two generic and a white, it's a 3-3 three, three dwarf cleric with Myriad, or Myriad, whenever, which is basically a rules text. I didn't play a lot when Myriad was first introduced, but basically it is whenever this creature attacks for each opponent other than the defending player, you may create a token that's a copy of this creature that's tapped and attacking that player or a planeswalker they control. Exile the tokens at the end of combat, and whenever Hammers of Moradin attacks for each opponent, Tap up to one target creature that player controls. And then I'll go ahead and read the red one real quick. It is Knoll Warband for five generic and a red. You get a 5-5 five, five Knoll. And this spell costs one less to cast for each opponent who has dealt damage this turn. It also has Menace and Myriad. I don't know how deep of a dive I can go into the Myriad Bunch or the Myriad Kids, as they're as we're calling them. They're just... I feel like Myriad and, like you mentioned earlier, Liam, the uh, Encore mechanic... I feel like those add an additional level of like aggressiveness that maybe some opponents aren't prepared for, some board states aren't prepared for, but they definitely, just a little bit I've brewed with Encore and now the Myriad cards, they tend to pull you in different directions that I, even I wasn't expecting. Like it seems like a very straightforward mechanic, but when you really get down to what it does, when you can do it, ETB effects, you know, tapping opponents' creatures and, and spell reduction and all this other stuff, it really opens up quite a bit you know, when you're getting these free creatures that are just that are just attacking, you know, these free tokens, and you don't lose them until the end of turn. So if, if you have a, a way to sacrifice them for value or what have you, they are at your disposal, as, as they say. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I think that Myriad and Encore as a mechanic definitely play well to the multiplayer aspect without really any additional deck building requirements. But I right. think they do pose a certain threat to the health of the game, not magic in general, but the health of the pod that you're playing with, if there just aren't people who aren't expecting those types of interaction or gameplay. Yeah, yep, 100%. What about you, Dave? Do you play a lot with Myriad? I don't yet, but I'm about to, because the Myriad stuff we have in this set is really enticing. Mm -hmm. um, it is very enticing. The, the two things that I want to say I think are really cool about Myriad, and these are, this is like, you know, on the surface, it looks like, oh, I get to attack everyone at once, but there's a lot of nuance here that's worth exploring. In white, if you populate one of your Myriad tokens, mm -hmm. the populated token stays around at end of turn, and it still has Myriad. Yep. So on your next turn cycle, when you attack, you can send the the populated token will trigger its own Myriad ability as well as the original creature. So now you have lots and lots of creatures. So what? that can get out of hand. The, so in red, Brad, Dave, I'm going to pause you real quick. Brad, the tokens that the original creature with Myriad makes are direct copies, meaning they also have Myriad. That's why Myriad okay. exiles at the end of combat, so they don't stick around. That's the part I was missing. That, yep, that's it. Yep. I thought if you, for any reason, if you exiled... Oh, no, you're talking about populate. Mm -hmm. I had flicker. I had flicker in my mind. Okay, we're good now. I'm straight. Okay. All right. I'm so, back on board. <laughs> in in white for this hammers of Morden guy, 
you you can populate these guys you can do really cool stuff with them being populated for the red guys these are token creatures that are going to get exiled at the end of combat which means they're really incredible sacrifice fodder you yeah, can throw the, these are just free bodies every turn that you get to sacrifice to anything you want and that's huge yeah and they're all five fives if if sacrificing yeah. a creature with a certain amount of power matters yeah if you're gonna fling them Mm-hmm. Reckoner's Bargain, if you need a little bit of life, you can fling them. Yeah, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to brew up some some Myriad decks, especially now that I understand it a little better. I hadn't thought that deeply about it. That is amazing. There's some good stuff there. Speaking of mechanics that get really, really juicy in multiplayer, let's talk about Goad. Okay. One of the uncommons in this set is called Blood Boil Sorcerer. It is a three, three generic and a red mana. Gets you a 3-3 three, three human shaman with two abilities. First ability is when it enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. So this yep. is that same Monarchs thing. You're going to go into the dungeons. You're going to get massive bonuses for doing that. The second ability lets you, for one and a red, and sacrifice an artifact or creature, you get to goad target creature, which means until your next turn, that creature attacks each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. Having a creature that just gives you the initiative when it comes in is incredible. Having a creature that also then defends the initiative like this is nuts. You can just, like, anytime there's a creature that you think is going to be a threat to you, something that's going to attack you, you just get to sacrifice something and decide that it's going to attack someone else instead. And I love that this is red because you can pair it with every single act of treason effect. (laughs) so that the things that you're sacrificing to fuel this ability are creatures that you've stolen from your opponents and attacked them with 100 percent. yeah this is just the the like this is the official commander of like you know like some people when they see a bunch of little kids fighting they like go in and they break it up and you're like no don't hurt each other like this is the commander of like you see a bunch of kids fighting and you go in and you give them all knives yeah you like push them closer (laughs) to each other (laughs) right and then you and then you back away <laughs> you stay a safe distance like... that is a fantastic analogy <laughs> it really was that was perfect and i'm glad to y- your review of this card was rather refreshing for a while it was twitter was just on fire with hatred about the goad mechanic and they were already tired of it and it's too much and it's too often and it ruins the game and blah 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 I, so. and twitter's really wrong yeah <laughs> uh, no twitter's absolutely right goad is stupid I should be allowed to incorrect. With, I should be allowed to attack with my infecto when I want to, not when you tell me to. I strongly disagree. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I need my disciple of the vault to stick around. I can't just have it die to a five five. Come on. Come on, Dave. Sounds like a you problem. <laughs> Better, no. Gotta you know send it. Do you know what's a you problem? Is giant ank egg, which is a six uh, mana green green eight eight which has trample and gives all my other creatures trample and it also has wood too and gives all my other creatures wood too oh that absolutely gross. is a me problem and it's a that big is, me problem it's, problem oh it's gonna it's gonna be a big you problem when i use that as an overrun effect oh. like, yeah. like here's the thing is this commander doesn't even need to come down until you intend to win the game that's the beauty of it yeah you don't need really need it to do anything nope you were just playing ready you were playing a mono green stompy highlander deck and this thing when it when when your opponent is casting this thing be prepared to lose the game. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you better have some serious answers. Yeah, uh, and and if if you were the person playing this, I recommend having enough mana to be able to cast it twice. Casually 10 mana. No big deal. Casually, it's fine. It's, yeah. No big deal. It's, it's casually just 18 <laughs> mana. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's what Tron lands before. <laughs> right. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that should be the first three cards in this deck is the Tron lands. It is going to be mana hungry yeah you're gonna need every bit of it all right well i got something for you guys it's an artifact creature do you like artifact creatures 
I do. On occasion, but not as my commander in PDH. There just isn't a big enough card pool, in my opinion. Uh, okay. So you may not like this one. It's actually a rug. Oh, okay. A, uh, I like stepping on this. decorative piece. There you go. It's a rug <laughs> of smothering, as a matter of fact. For oh. three generic mana, it's a 1-3 with flying. So it's a flying rug carpet thing. Uh, whenever a player casts a spell, they lose one life for each spell they've cast this turn. No, this, this is just anti-storm. Why would you play this? This is bad. Don't play it. Right, I was going to kind of let you run with it. This is very intriguing to me because I was... Okay, to be fair, I have always enjoyed playing Storm, but like you with Aristocrats, I'm not good at Storm. I always end up fizzling out. I don't count my mana right. The math's bad in my head, whatever. This seems like the opposite of a Storm, so I'm kind of here for it, but I need to understand exactly what's happening. So maybe as a Storm player, Liam, you could sort of walk so, me through this card. So Brad, do you know how Aetherflux Reservoir works? Yes. Okay. This is the opposite of that. So the first time I cast a spell in my turn, I lose one life. The second time I cast a spell in a turn, I lose two life. And two turn, additional life. Yeah, two two additional life. So, so two three additional. total at this yep. point. And if I so cast but, yeah. a third spell, and this is this is this is counting every player every turn. So it resets every turn. But let's say it's you know my turn and I, I plan to cast four spells in a row. That's going to cost me ten life. Just like how Aetherflux Reservoir would gain you ten life for that. Yeah, this is going to cost you 10 life. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4. If if the rug here is Dave's commander, and it's your turn, Liam, and, and you've cast three spells, and then I decide to lightning bolt one of your creatures, I'm only losing one life, correct? Correct. I'm not losing life for the spells it's, you've also casted. Nope, it's only, ca right. it's only counting your stuff. Okay, perfect. It is. That still doesn't mean I'll play with my as my commander, but... Yeah, I... My only reservation with playing any colorless commanders in PDH is the card pool is just not there to do anything interesting. Um, it's, it's really I, not. You're it's, correct. It's the same issue that EDH has is the card pool just isn't there to do anything interesting. So I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it'd be fine, but it's like the only thing you're doing. So yeah, it's literally the only thing you're doing. I think that this is a really hilarious idea. I think that there there are decks that would be absolutely annihilated by this effect, and that amuses oh, yeah. me endlessly. Yeah, I think 100%. that it'll. I think that it'll never actually land, because the decks that would get annihilated by this effect are going to start by bouncing it. Yeah. They're going to bounce it, they're going to counter it, they're going to kill it. Just, right. Yeah. And, like, the, the, if, this, if this had colors, you would be able to interact with that on the stack. You would be able to give it protection, yep. or you would be able to counter right. their spells. You could get into a whole counter war where you're both losing life over the ability to not lose life, <laughs> which is hilarious, but it's not there. It's just colorless. So I think it's <laughs> I think it's a super cool idea. I don't think it's gonna take off. It's a very neat idea. They were very careful when they made it. I so wish this was like Savannah White. Could you imagine if this was in white? Yeah. Oh, that'd be so amazing. That would I be want, amazing. I want it in white blue. Ooh, two white blue. Oh, that'd be spicy. Yeah. All right, I think we got one big bad boy left. What do you think, Dave? One more, and this is... I think this thing is hilarious. I don't think it's good. I think it's actively awful, but I'm <laughs> I'm here for actively awful, and I want to experience the awfulness of this card. We are going to talk right now about Iron Mastiff. Is a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four artifact creature dog. Every time this 4-4 four, four attacks, you roll a d20 for each player being attacked, and you take only the highest roll. Okay. So it's sort of, if anyone plays D&D, it's a little bit like advantage. You get to roll extra right. dice, you only look at the high roll. Based on the result, if the result of this dice rolling process is one through nine, this 4-4 four, four dog will deal damage equal to its power 
to you, its controller. Mm. If the result is 10 through 19, it'll deal damage equal to its power to the defending player. And if you roll a 20, it deals damage equal to its power to each opponent, which I think is incredibly funny. I, I'm, I'm imagining giving this guy like a great axe or a bone splitter or just some, some really thick, colorless equipment making his power huge and then just attacking everyone and like maybe he just domes me in my own head for like 10 damage See what happens maybe i die now. right <laughs> like that's hilarious to me maybe someone else dies like maybe everyone dies that's the kind yeah. of pals meta high quality entertainment that i sign up for yeah so, i'm here for i would love to see that i'd love i'd probably try to run the deck like that that sounds amazing I, I do have a, a colorless deck already that has a lot of the same themes, so I'm going to see what happens if I can just swap out the commanders and not have to build an, a whole new deck for it. So I'm excited to try this guy out. Yeah, big, big metal boy, big good boy. He looks fun. Yeah. All right. I think we're pushing up about two, two and a half hours. I think that puts a wrap <laughs> on our Commander Legends Baldur's Gate Super Duper uh, set review. Thanks, guys, for hanging out with us so, <laughs> so long tonight. This is just the commanders. Right? Yeah, this is just the commanders. Two hours in and halfway done. You'll have to <laughs> tune in next week for the other half. To be continued. Dot dot dot. We do want to thank everybody that hung out with us this long in this episode. In the meantime, if you do need more proper commander talk, or if you have any questions about the format, you can definitely email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to uh, PDH Homebase's website to their Discord. I'll put those in the episode details, the links down below there. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can get me at pauper underscore B, and uh, you can hit Liam at, at pauper command. And Alcadron, where can they typically find you, buddy? I'm on Discord as Alcadron. I'm on Reddit as Alcadron. To Alcadron everywhere, huh? Yep. Just Google Alcadron. You'll probably find me. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect. That's uh, when you know you have a brand. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Also, if uh, any listeners out there want to get in, if you're new to the format or you're looking for some some pods to get in on, I'm doing weekly Saturday streams on Twitch. I'll put the sign up, the link to the sign up sheet in the episode details. You can sign up; it's free, it's no big deal. Do them every Saturday evening. Try to get a bunch of good people together, play some fun games, that sort of thing. All the details will be in the sheet. Um, and then, did we miss anything? I don't think we missed anything, but I do want to confirm that when you look Alcadron up on Google, the first couple responses are Alcadron on Moxfield. Yep. Alcadron on Tapped Out, Alcadron on Reddit, Alcadron on Tumblr, <laughs> and you get a couple Twitter posts from the pals mentioning Alcadron, uh, and then you get a random Facebook post from a couple years ago. All right, so he so, is front page of Google, is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> That's incredible. Amazing. All right, well, as episode two of the PDH pod comes to a close, I want to thank MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck and play some games, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace out. Cheers. See you next week. I brought pump decks to the party. Pump. I brought pump decks to the party.